Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Original movies are a staple of any TV junkie's diet, and we take them very seriously. So seriously that we've dedicated an entire podcast to picking apart each and every one ever made. The stories, the actors, the stunning dialogue, the IMDb trivia, we're here to discuss it all with the appropriate mixture of reverence and humor, one movie at a time. I'm Molly McAleer, and this is Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Frustrated now. You won't get it. Just keep trying. You get it. Good. All right. Oh, oh I can't believe that counts. You, you, you be out. Oh my God, you guys! It's the final episode of season one of Mother May I Sleep with podcast, and my guest is Adam S. McCabe. Hello. Hi. How are you? Oh man, I'm excited to talk about this movie. I'm doing well. So, you're like a UCB guy, you're a comedy guy, you do a bunch of things, you have a web series that I, like, just, what, what's your web series called? Oh, I have a sketch channel called Pitiful Creatures. I'm a monster. I'm <laughs> sorry. Right. I did it's all fun. the research on this movie, because I know you, look, I feel creepy Googling people that I know, mm-hmm. and so, and I know you as my friend Jackie's husband, Yeah. but I knew you as her fiance before that, and I like you very much from that context, and I think you're very funny, <laughs> but like, I would never Google you, like, yeah. I would feel embarrassed nah, to be like, you don't so, need to do that. I like did, I Googled you today, and like, and also you gave me this gift, and so I do feel like I know you, because you lived through tonight's movie. I did, yeah. <laughs> it affected my life. It no, did? It did not. It did not. It was all watched, well... I'll tell you about it when we get to the movie about how little it affected. Okay. Uh, when we get into it. Cause it's so it's okay. This movie's so real. Now it's called just ask my children. Um, it's left me shook. I don't know how this is going to be very comedic, but I know you and I will find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to find it. <laughs> um, we'll punch, we'll punch up with this. We're definitely okay. not going to be punching down on the, the victims. So I just, I, I want to say that like, you know, I knew a little bit about what it was about, but I always kind of do this in a very ceremonious fashion. And I opened up the bio today of the movie and it says a couple is accused of sodomy and pedophilia by two little girls. Soon they find their beloved sons taken away from them and themselves thrown in jail. Yeah. That's real funny so far. I mean, LOL. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> Come on, the word sodomy is funny. I mean, it's not funny when you really think about it, but if you're looking at it, it's like the number 69. Yeah. 
You're going to get a giggle every time. Yeah. (laughs) You can't help. Uh, I do love, like, you asked me to do this podcast. I was like, oh, it'd be fun. And uh, you said, well, maybe something from your hometown. And I was like, okay. Something personal to you, yeah. Personal to me or from my hometown. And I I searched, like, Lifetime Movies Bakersfield, and this came up. Because I grew up in Bakersfield, California. And... I di- had no idea any of this happened. Are you saying Bakersfield or Bakersville? What's it called? Bakersfield. Bakersfield. And what's Bakersville? I don't know what Bakersville is. I just I've made that up. Yeah, I've been talking about this fictional. Well, that's my city, just so you guys know. Well, cut, um, cut to 30 pilots written about Bakersville. <laughs> um, but no, so this movie is really crazy. And it's actually like very historically important because it was the beginning of a huge movement in California where basically a lot of people were wrongfully convicted of sexual, sexually molesting children pedophilia whatever you want to call it it's because the same thing. Of, and the wildest thing about it to me is not only like accused of pedophilia but also satanic rituals yeah that's why they were molesting them was for their satanic rituals so because they didn't really get into it in this movie except for like a little like brief thing but i was like i heard satanic and i'm like they're talking about hysteria and i'm like i know what satanic panic is and i've heard of like well, I, I'm like, obviously, that's the diagnosis for the town is hysteria. Yeah. Like, it's classic hysteria. And everyone's freaking out. And, like, you know, I don't know. Think about it. Like, you're a little kid and your parent is suddenly asking you if someone touched your butt at church or something. Like, how the fuck are you supposed to answer that? Like, you're probably just trying to get the conversation over yeah, with. I'll say anything to end it. <laughs> like, and that is really what the message is, is that, like... Dude, there's this line in this movie that we're going to get to. I'll say it first, but the closing statement of the uh, prosecuting attorney during the the first trial was, children don't lie. Such a wild line. And, like, that is so not true. Like, children are (laughs) notorious liars. Like, that is probably the time in your life you do the most lying. And this is is a lawyer who won his case yeah. by closing it with children don't lie, which to me, the second I'm on a jury and someone says, I was like, oh, that guy has no no foot in reality. Right, exactly. If he's never met a kid who told a lie. Yeah. Especially when telling an adult a story. And the big thing with this too is that like you have to, it's the buy that like, oh, well, a child would never say that they were sexually assaulted if they weren't. But like, as I just said to you, like I think most kids probably wouldn't even be able to like, wrap their head around the concept of yeah. what's being told to them. Like my mom put her mouth on my genitals. Like <laughs> there are so many, so many wild so, lies. In like, it's just like, like a, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, I would be like, I don't know. Like what? Maybe when I was a baby that I don't remember, like, I don't know, like get this gross. Like it would just, it would be, it would be like I'm blushing thinking about it because I was raised Catholic. Okay. So I also feel like you're not even supposed to like have a body, let alone have any sort of sexual conversation with yeah. anyone, let alone an adult, yeah. let alone some uniformed official. So like this movie is also my nightmare for another reason. I have a huge fear of being wrongfully imprisoned. Like I would oh say gosh. more than being murdered, 
that is like my biggest fear. Because I think it's narcissistic to think you're going to get murdered. Okay. No one's going to murder you, but you're more likely to get a no. Like you have to care about someone a lot. Like no one cares no, about me enough to murder me. Or it could be random. It would be random, but it would be like a freak. That's like a freak accident. Like that rarely happens. Um, but like wrongfully imprisoned is a big deal for me because one, I'm a bitch and I would never survive. Like I'm like a bitch, <laughs> meaning like I am a wimp. Like okay. I had to like physically fight. I thought with you some... meant you would be so rude in prison. They would kill you. No, I would no Adam. I would like go sleep in my bed for like <laughs> a million days. Like I would just like sleep in my bed till I died. Like I would just, I wouldn't, oh. I wouldn't get up for meals. Like I, because that's the thing is that I also know that I'm not great under pressure. I'm dyslexic. Like I, I'm not a, good test taker if someone was like yelling in my face being like when i'd be like i don't know the i'm not good yeah. on the spot and they have all those word problems in prison too so you wouldn't be able to take care of any of those totally and then look at my fucking checkered internet history like anyone <laughs> could be like you know they can use your twitter against you in a court of law to prove that you're fucking insane now so like i Just mean that out. you could find any i mean you could find anything on well me. i do agree with you like i'm not like if someone's like, oh, the the thought of murder isn't as scary to me as this because this is straight up like the crucible. I was gonna ask. Where it's just you, a, a city say... full of kids who are like, yeah, they said it. Cool, it happened to me too. Guess what? I uh, I'm the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy that guy said he loves Satan, and everyone's like, all right, you're dead. Mm-hmm. You're gonna die. I was gonna ask you me. if you would rather be persecuted for an act of terrorism or molesting two children in the fashion especially the fashion no four children the fashion in which because these children were not just molested like they had some stories and we're gonna have to get into it in a little bit but like they had some sick stuff and and i'm gonna let you think on that question but i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you i would literally rather go down as a terrorist than someone who gave a six-year-old a blowjob. <laughs> well, and I think you're you're more inclined to be killed in prison if you gave a six-year-old a blowjob than if you blew up a building. Except, except the holy fucking grail. Yes, it's the holy grail for moms. I noticed that like there's one thing that they have up on men's prisons where they hate moms who murdered their kids okay. more than they hate or fucked with their kids more than they hate just a regular anyone. Yeah, like. That's the biggest offense you can do, um, which is, brings me to the wonderful Virginia Madsen. I actually oh, met baby. one of my very good friends, Max Wyeth, because I retweeted a Vine he did with Virginia Madsen. So I just want to say thank you to her for that friendship. It's very meaningful to me. Um, I love meeting people through Vine. Um, oh, Virginia <laughs> Madsen is, I had such a crush on her when I was a kid. What did you know her from? Candyman. Oh. And she was in like a lot of horror movies. No, that's and like, why did you have a crush? Why was your takeaway from Candyman a crush? Like, why? Well, it terrified me. That- he, he was so scary to me, but she's beautiful. Yeah, she's beautiful. Like, she still is. She's and she's beautiful, beautiful woman. in this movie, too. She oh, looks baby. great. This is a 2001 joint, just so people know. <laughs> yeah, I, so I was very attracted to Virginia Madsen while I was watching this <laughs> child molestation movie. Uh, I was very <laughs> conflicted with how. No, you're going you know, to find out my horny. sick, twisted oh, shit. I, can't where, wait. I, I have a little crush on this movie too and it's not appropriate the boy <laughs> a little... I'll talk, we'll talk about it okay. when we're in the mix um but okay so your turn on my virginia madsen as a child that's cool then jeffrey nordling who i felt was 
such an interesting casting choice because this man is playing two different movies at all times. <laughs> like it's almost like a Christmas vacation movie yeah. meets like you've been accused of molesting your child. Like sometimes he's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. So Jeffrey Nordling, <laughs> one to watch. Hold on really quick. That's such a funny takeaway because it is a very, very serious movie. But he has a line in the movie that made me laugh out loud. And I don't laugh out loud in comedies. What is it? It's when, so sorry, I just jumps ahead a little bit. But when they show up to his work to arrest him, the cops are walking. Perfect. The cops are walking up to him and he goes, what is this? A singing telegram? Yeah. And it's one of the funniest lines. It's like, why would you assume that's what was happening? No, it's literally, this man was between two movies, which <sighs> is usually, the, that's the biggest problem with these Lifetime actors is like they get a little bit in between two movies and I think it's like, maybe they must shoot scenes out of order because like people desperately get out of character in certain mm-hmm. scenes. So then after that, we have Denver Dunn played by Graham Beckel, who is like, very successful. He's been in LA Confidential, Brokeback Mountain, Leaving Las Vegas, Pearl Harbor. But I will tell you, my personal note for him was that he is Baldwin-esque. And when he first appeared on the stage, I thought, like on the on the screen, I thought it was a joke. Like I really was like, I was like, oh, this is like a one, like, this is a joke actor. This is where it kind of like loosens up. <laughs> <laughs> no, this man is a very serious actor, and he plays a very good character. Um, and then from there, just, you know, a bunch of nobodies. Um, we also have some really great um, childhood switching up, like recastings throughout the years that were wild. Yeah. Like facially different humans, <laughs> yeah. which bothers me so much. Like I would rather see a six-year-old in old age makeup than like <laughs> a Like 22. that weird Benjamin Button CGI yes. on him. There were scenes where I could swear like the child actor would be in the room, leave and come back as a different kid. Yes. Like, I, oh my God. Wild casting. I wrote choices. that where I was like, I think that they must have just not have gotten that. They must have been like, oh, he can't be in Canada today. Like you have to just use this guy that's supposed to be. Uh, Brian Niffen, age 9 through 12, in the 16 through 18 scene. Because um, his voice would change on and off, too, which was I thought was pretty wild. But the, overall, I want to say that I think this is a stunning film. I'm going to read a review I found later um, that really upset me. And I have, like, oh, no. a personal fuck you for someone out there. Um, because this movie changed my life. Um, <laughs> and I think you're not looking at the historical importance of this film and how hard it really is to capture a place in time, much like Pearl Harbor, also a failed movie about history, also starring the guy you played, the <laughs> Baldwin guy. Sure. So let's start. Bakersfield, 1982. Perfect fucking family in the park. Like, literally the most perfect family. The younger son is trying to master his paper airplane. And throws it, and the mother looks at him and says, don't give up. Yeah. And it's like the perfect save the cat mirror image for the story at it's the end with them not the giving up. Scene. It yep. is always in the yeah, first there. scene. Oh, don't give up. So, yeah, no, it's so good. And he didn't. And so, um, and then the older boy is playing baseball with his dad. And, like, by the way, like, this boy's being like, he's, they're both being obnoxious children. And both of the parents are so good natured about mm. this entire thing. Like, they are like, breathing in every moment of being with their boys, like perfect parents. And then Debbie, a mom of two young girls, comes up to Brenda, who is Virginia Madsen, our star, and she's like, we should get together and play cards. Oh, I want to say that also this movie taking place in the 80s, it's like the 80s were fucked up like the olden days. And like 
letting their kids not use their seatbelts and hitting them, but they had VCRs. That's what I wrote. So I really feel like the 80s were between two things, which is why also people don't... We're, 80s kids are very... We have something. I'm a Reagan baby. I've got something. I lived between two lifetimes. Uh, my birth changed my family. Like, because everyone was all depressed because of, like, I don't know, like, Vietnam, and then my grandfather's, like, book some I don't like some weird shit like and then I was born and then it was like oh the 80s are cool again baby hope yeah so um, the 80s were fun that's what they're known for is like like getting into the fun of the 90s yes it's like that pre-roll another thing you played cards yeah and like I was thinking I'm I don't even think I could play solitaire with myself right now. I don't even remember the layout. Yeah, I tried to play it the other day when I was in a cabin, <laughs> and I couldn't remember. And I was like, well, I could Google it. And at that point, I was like, well, fuck me. I'm trying to like relax and play a card game, but I need to Google to figure out how to do it. I don't deserve this card game. Threw all I the know. cards in the fire. Like, the few things my Nana taught me. Like, I can't even remember how to play solitaire. So, like, Brenda's like jam-packed with sports she's got birthdays church yeah hang out the next yeah week. the 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 exchange is hey let's meet up and play cards this weekend she goes uh not this weekend i've got basketball baseball a track meet uh, bake off it's uh, a little bit like i had a meeting at california chicken cafe and it's like you could have just told me you had a meeting yeah. i don't need to know it's a california chicken cafe yeah. why'd you tell me that yeah um it's three words too long so um Debbie tells her that she's been fighting with her stepmom because Virginia Madsen's like, you look exhausted. Which, by the way, women friends do not say to each other. <laughs> yeah. um, and Debbie's like, my stepmom's been like jostling me around. She doesn't like the way I raise my daughters. Um, cut to Kern County Welfare Office. We see one of my other faves, Janet, a social worker. She's taking a call from Debbie's stepmom, Marianne Barber, who apparently is a regular caller. You get that right off the bat because Janet's walking out with a stack of files and then they're like, it's Marianne Barber. And Janet's like, oh, I got to take this call about someone allegedly molesting children again. Like Janet's over it. And like, you've really got to push a social, a child welfare worker. You've really got to push her. So she's like, no, no, of course they care about the kids. So, by the way, it's cutting back and forth between these serene scenes with the, these intense calls. It's the most tonally incongruent edits I've ever seen in a movie. I wrote, this is a fucking perfect family. Mom gets <laughs> along great with the in-laws who are adorable and charming. If not oddly cast, mom looks like a sailor and the dad looks, and the dad looks 20 years younger than her and kind of like a gay bear. And the boys fight, but not too hard. Lots of love between their dad, between their dad and his parents. The couple is still fucking two kids, yeah. however many years later. Yeah, they allude that um, the grandparents are fucking. Like actively. Yeah. They're like, like anytime gonna, he gets around me, I can't control myself. We're going to do our taxes when yeah. we get home. And which he is, fondles her as they walk out. So I was like, okay, they're still hitting it. Wasn't that like a sitcom thing? Like we're going to go do our taxes. Wasn't that on a show that they would always say, we're going to go do our taxes. Oh, maybe on Full House, Uncle Jesse would say that to Aunt Becky. We're going to go do Ooh. our tax. Is that real? Or I maybe that was a throwback. That. that sounds like from an maybe I Love Lucy Maybe that was a Lucier. reference to something else. Yeah. Um, so the doorbell rings. This is where it's all going to change. Everything's going to change from here. These two fucking losers come in. Hi. Hey, hi. Guys. Come on in. Hey. 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 Hi. Hey, buddy. How are you? All right. Good. So where are the girls? Uh, they're not with us. Oh, the boys will be disappointed. Yeah, sorry, they're just sleeping over at my dad and stepmom's. Oh, I know, our boys live for staying with their grandparents. Actually, uh, Mary Ann's been giving us a lot of grief lately. Really? She's had some psychological problems. Well, it's nothing serious, I hope. 
Probably not. No, we're we're dealing with it. Oh. Well, you know, let us know if we can do anything. Thanks. Watch the girls. Great. We told Marianne we had lots of friends who would stick up for us. Good people like you guys. Actually, Scott, I was uh, I was wondering if you'd be a character witness for us. Carol? What is she? Is she taking you to court? We can't predict what she'll do next. Yeah, of course, if you're uncomfortable with that. No, 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 no. It's it's fine. It's... So it's Debbie and her husband, who I thought looked like an older, less interesting John Mulaney. Did you get that vibe from Alan as well? <laughs> I didn't place him as anyone. And I was believing him as an actor, so. I also don't see how he and Debbie are married. Because, like, I'm, I'm getting with Debbie, like, wrong side of the tracks. And I'm getting very, like, um, Alan thick and growing pains from yeah. the dad. Well, I mean, she's the crazy one in the relationship. And he's like, well, I just got to deal with this. That's true. And by the way, they did exactly what I hoped they would do in jail. Divorce. Yeah. Divorce, exactly. Um, but the girls aren't with them because they're staying with their grandparents. Debbie's husband tells them that they've been giving them a lot of grief lately. Debbie says that the stepmom has a lot of psychological problems. Remember that. <laughs> they say it's not a big deal and they'll manage it. And then Debbie's husband asks Scott, Brenda's husband, if he'll be a character witness for them. And Debbie's like... We don't know what's going to happen next. Like, we just want to have a character witness on deck. Which, if you have a friend that's telling you they need a character witness, potentially, this is a very, this was a huge learning lesson for me. Don't hang around with people you have questions about. Like, they didn't want to do card night. They didn't want to do this tonight. They didn't want to, they kind of, you know, the mom kind of reluctantly made plans. That was like her, probably, I was telling Steven, you want to live with like number eight on your call list. I would say that Debbie was probably number 50 on their call list. Yeah. And they, and she's just like, try Like, she's just got like a fucked up life. And then like this woman comes into their life asking for a character witness. You guys be very careful who you hang out with. It's bad. So... You know what's crazy is at this point, it was on the second viewing of this movie, I remembered this. When I was in high school, uh, I, was a, I was a dumb teenager. So oh, okay. I got to preface the story by saying I was a dumb teenager. So when you're a dumb teenager, you do dumb bits. Yeah. And one bit I had with my good friend was that we would jokingly refer to his little brother as a child molester. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. Constantly. Yeah, And totally. be like, anytime like a kid was walking by, we'd be like, hey, easy. And he's like, it's not funny. Stop doing that. We're like, hey, stop, stop. <laughs> My, his oldest brother was dating someone who was a little off and oh. got her pregnant. Okay. accidentally so they had a child and anytime they got into a fight she would hold that child over and be like i'm gonna take away custody from that from you i'm gonna take away custody and he's like That's no you always she have constantly in family court with this woman trying to fight for her. well one day i get a call from my friend's mom and she said no. you need to come to court as a character witness to say that this my son isn't a child molester no and i said why would i need to she goes you were named in court it's gone I was called out legally for a bit and they're like you have to come and say I was doing a bit you have to explain what a bit is to the court and I said I can't do that I cannot go in front of a judge and explain a bit and they go if you don't we'll subpoena you so you need to show up to the courthouse well dressed at 9am and be ready to go in and do you think your mom would have preferred if you got a DUI uh yeah probably (laughs) it's easier to explain (laughs) so I went there and I didn't have to go in because she's like listen I just want this kind of custody great they settled it but I was going to get subpoenaed to 
tell say that my friend wasn't a child molester. Oh my god! If I had Googled you today, can you imagine <laughs> what would have come up? up? My court <laughs> case, the court transcripts. <laughs> oh, Adam, is that why you want to do the movie? Okay, great. Apparently, you have an illustrious history with this. Yes. So back at the welfare office, the phone rings. Hello. Yes. Yes. This is Marianne Barber. Now you will not believe what the girls are saying now. This is bigger than anyone realizes. The girls have been threatened if they talk. Now they are ready to accuse all the others involved. So we need protection. We need protection now. Okay. I'll send you an escort to the DA's office in the morning. I'll coordinate everything with Vera Bradley, the child abuse counselor. It is hilarious that the child welfare officer is named Vera Bradley. Do you know why? Why? Vera Bradley is a very popular handbag designer who makes handbags in bright patterned colors. Um, and like upon, and this is where I think that the writer was just like, um, and I was like, where's my Vera Bradley? Like, Vera Bradley. Like, I think that he really like, that was really, cause Vera Bradley bags were popping off in 2001 for sure like I definitely had some my grandmother carried them they were very big on the east coast very big with preppy, preppy people they probably were not big on the west coast and I'm only guessing that because I moved out here with like a bag full of Lily Pulitzer dresses and no one knew what they were um but that's like what you wear in the Hamptons yeah. is that um, true as someone who doesn't know a ton about these lifetime movies do they always change the names except for the main people um, you know, I thought that was an interesting choice. There was some of that in Jodi Arias. Um, I think they keep the main people intact always, but because of potential lawsuits and the way that people are portrayed, they have to change the names. Yeah, because the DA a was Ed Jagels, and they changed his name. Yeah, and, uh, oh, the DA's, like, a total dick. Yeah, wait till I tell you more stories about him. Oh, I want to know everything. So he, he prosecuted me in our child molester case. You guys, shout out to Vera Bradley. Wait, he prosecuted no, you? No, I'm oh my god! Oh my god, Adam, um, this is too much. Like literally, I was not expecting that, and that's so good. So Janet has spoken with the girls, and they've given a testimony. Janet, the social worker that they were molested and they named all the people who did it. And she said that there were some family friends involved and they are all in it together. And the list of accusations is wild. I'd like to play that list for you. Sam, it may only be the tip of an iceberg. The accusations include orgies, being hung from hooks and beaten, being sold in motels, made to watch snuff films and perform in front of cameras. What kind of monsters do these things to children? Well, some of these charges do seem kind of unlikely. Unlikely? You think these kids could make this up? I don't know what goes on in your house, but my kids don't know this stuff. No, of course not. Evidently, there's a whole lot of pornography stashed in these homes. This is gigantic because we just heard that the children were hung from hooks and like, you know, orally copulated or whatever, whatever they're My calling it. My favorite detail was forced to watch snuff films. <laughs> it's like, hey kids, sit down and watch this. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's really dark. Like I can go over the list of accusations from um, some of the Google things. And I know that that is, you just heard them in audio, but they're actually much more um, detailed than that. The things that they were accused of were, let me just like search for snuff. <laughs> okay. Okay. Watch and there's six months invest. Okay. Oh, wait, no, this is not right. Okay. Wait. If you're searching for snuff films, you just fucked your Facebook sidebar for years. 
The girls said that they had been hung from ceiling hooks, beaten with belts, rented to strangers in motels, and been forced to act in kiddie porn movies. They claimed that they were (laughs) rented (laughs) to strangers in a motel. I mean, that's a wild phrasing. They claimed they were abused by a sex ring, which involved their grandparents, their parents, their father's brothers, friends of their parents, Scott and Brendan Niffin, their uh, the social worker who did the inspection, a co-worker of their father, and two unnamed welfare workers. That's like a, that's like a, uh, like, you know, if you're getting molested that much, where are your parents? Like, that, have you ever been well, alone in a room? Like, or not alone in a room? Like, it's like, that's, oh yeah, I guess, oh, you're fucking right. Yeah, they're there the whole time. The parents were doing, oh they're my God. They're running you out that's to strangers the rub. in hotel that's rooms. That's the rub. All right, shit. All right, so it's bad. So, um, this is okay. So Vera Bradley says, evidently there's a whole lot of pornography stashed in these homes. Now she's my fucking nemesis for a variety of reasons. One of which she's named after a handbag, which I'm actually mostly mad at the writer for, but this is also a thing in the early eighties. People having porn was still something that was like, people were very, very, very judgmental about. There was no liberalism about porn whatsoever. I mean, we yeah. saw even, you know, Anthony Weiner sending a dick pic, fucking ruined his life and the guy cannot stop ruining his life um and and especially in conservative bakersfield absolutely and so i wrote something that like people were judgmental even though they probably everyone had had an encounter with the dirty magazine or two the same way everyone has had an encounter with porn online now the fact that that was her closing argument is scary and that was like the nail in the coffin because like she said everything she said their parents like blew these kids like they were forced to do kitty shit. They were hooked. I mean, the hooks on the ceiling, by the way, hooks on the ceiling. I just want to like get rid of this visual for all of you because I looked it up. When I heard hooks on the ceiling, I was thinking like meat cleavers. Mm. No, they were talking about just like fucking plant hooks. Like the kids were just hung on plant hooks, which is not a child cannot hang from a plant hook in, in the ceiling in a living room. Or those were the only hooks found in the house or in hotels. Yeah. <laughs> Like they, they built an apparatus for hanging people. The only experience I have with hanging was from that movie, The Cell with Jennifer Lopez yeah. and Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. where he, uh, in fact, it's cut out of the American, he hangs over a dead body and like jacks off on it. Yeah. But it's like in his skin, the hooks. And that's what I thought they were doing to these kids, even though they have no marks. No, 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 no. And, and that's the other thing too. There's no rope burns. There's nothing. And um, additionally, yeah, I think that that happened in the book version of Kiss the Girls. Um, oh, okay. So that also, that, I mean, those are the only, and that's what I was picturing this whole movie is I was like, that's a huge story to buy. And then I'm like, no, that's a physically impossible story to buy. These kids are hanging from plant hooks. Like, to me, that was the one kid with the wildest imagination was like, yeah, and also this. And yeah. like, okay, uh, yeah, and also this, and just kept going. I think Graham, really fed it in step Graham really fed it into them and she has I said the true pervert in my notes I said the true pervert in the story is Marion Barber yeah, all because the she wants who's gonna tell a six-year-old about snuff films and say you go repeat that that is crazy like <laughs> trying to like step by step explain what a snuff film is to a kid I didn't even know what a period was when I was six, let alone like (laughs) a snuff film. Like you're just not there yet. There are so many (laughs) steps to explain. Like someone's hired, they're paid to get killed, but also they're probably going to have sex before they do it. Uh, (laughs) What? 
<laughs> so the cops agree they want to pursue this because they took a beating in the press for the way like they handled their last big sexual assault slash murder case. Yeah, and there's um, other stuff going on there too that I'll talk about at the end. And I wanted to look up her murder, but I didn't have time. So I want you to tell me all about her because that was like, oh, headline. Like, who is this woman? Because she's really the inspiration for this. Her like the like the vengeance for her like death and the mismanagement of her case was really what kept this going. So they decided to pursue immediately and they get the warrants they need to start the process. He's like, I want this to be highly coordinated and highly public. And I wrote, this is another fucked up thing. Because we're talking about the alleged raping and prolonged sexual abuse of four children. So why would that be something, quote, highly public? Like, you don't talk about four kids that anyone can find their first and last names being... You're going to talk about when they bust into the house and take the kids from her. It's about to happen. But but just since it came up organically, when they take the kids out of the house, the news is there interviewing someone while the children walk in front of the camera. I was like, no, they're not putting their faces on TV. Exactly. They're not throwing their names out there. I mean, we find that there really was very, that's the upsetting thing about this is because we live in a world, a much more educated world. I mean, some of the, I'm going to go into what the wink test is later. I don't know if you know what that is. I mean, but I had to look that up today and I was like, oh, we're running off like crazy science back then. Like they didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. So like basically like, yeah, like maybe the child's face was on TV. Like they don't, you know, there was victims rights did not exist the way that they do now, especially like a knowledge and education. I think this probably this whole hysteria was caused by how little information there was out there about that. Preamber yeah. alerts. So but let's not forget most of this is tied to the fact that they think this is all satanic. Oh yeah. It's like the devil with a pitchfork and horns is causing all this child. Did dungeon. they drive this home for this family? Cause I thought that was more like that came up, popped up later. This family is supposed to be they satanic did. Yeah, AF. Yeah. They're supposed to be Satan worshipers because that was another big thing in the eighties. It was a huge epidemic Yeah, that they were thinking everyone was in. It's the same thing with like paradise lost. Not my Brenda. No, I know. No, yeah. I literally do not even Brenda would never be. And don't ever mention those little, that those paradise lost boys. First of all, I like want to marry all of them. I love them so much. Like <laughs> this is so unfortunate. What happens to people who are different, but the fucked up thing about this is that Brenda and Scott could be, not like more not different like they're really like that's the couple you want living in the house next door to you like they're so nice you gotta watch did you there's a documentary called witch hunt that's them talking about it oh shut up so i mean it's beat for beat with the movie but they couldn't be just the realest people you could ever imagine no anger in them just very calm talking about it. And it's like, they're the best people in the world. Well, then I'm going to finish this bottle of wine, take an Adderall. And then after you guys leave, <laughs> witch hunt, <laughs> blow through witch hunt. Um, but no, Brenda's shuffling around the kitchen in her robe. This is very upsetting for me because I'm very vulnerable in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate people knocking at my door because I literally, am, I ripped the doorbell off my house with my physical hands one day because I was so tired of people ringing the doorbell. It rattles my soul. You were very sweet to come and pop your little face in the window. You don't need to make a lot of noise here. I live in a hobbit hole. If yeah. you knock that door knocker it fucking rattles the whole place and into the ground. And I'm easily startled to begin with. So what's going on? Brenda Niffin? Yes. Ma'am, you are under arrest. 
You're making a mistake. Where is your husband? Stop that. Where is your husband? He's he's at work. Why? Where does he Stop work? That. Where does he work? He's the inventory parts manager at Delaney and Alf. But stop. Now my little boys are asleep back there. Your boys. All right, well, let's wake him up. Brandon, come on. Ryan, time to wake up. Mom. It's okay, it's just a big mistake. Your dad's gonna sort it all out. My stuff, my stuff! No, no, Brian, my Brian, stuff. just let him look around. Did I do something wrong? No, no, of course Get not. Get dressed, ma'am, or we take you down like that. Yeah. That's all right. Here we go. Here, here. All right, let's go get dressed. Okay. All right. Here, here. Here we go. Um, we have to get dressed. Go ahead. Okay, let's see. These are yours. All right. Here you go, sweetheart. But basically, we just watched Brenda get busted. She's like, you got the wrong person. She's staying very, very, very calm. As soon as they walk in and they're like, you're under arrest, she's like, whatever it is, you've got the wrong person. Yeah. Which is how you know Brenda lives on the right side of the law. Because, like, there would be... Every, any normal person would at least, like, have a split second where they're like, wait, do I have heroin in my ass? Yeah. Or, like, wait, is it, like, illegal to have weed now? Wait, like, do I have or- a six-year-old hanging from hooks in my backyard? <laughs> I mean, I... I'm nervous to go through TSA because I feel like I'm just riddled with like probably syringes and guns. And she, so <laughs> she is eerily calm while they watch her change. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. They fucking watch her and her boys change in the same room. And like, and it was because it was, I guess, you know, I don't know. I mean, did she really, I don't know. So she, she and the boys change in their clothes because the threat is we're going to take you downtown in your pajamas. If you don't boys are thrown in one car. She's put in another. Very oddly, they drive to the husband's work with her in the backseat of the car, which is, I'm pretty sure, like, not how time efficiency works in the middle of, like, an arrest. Like, you don't put two people, like, a husband and wife that are getting arrested together. You don't have the wife go pick up the husband and arrest him, too. It's not a swing by. It's not an Uber pool. (laughs) They Uber pooled it. (laughs) No, there's a guy who's like, all right, we're doing a sting. You get him. I'll get her. You get them. And they're all separated. So the police show up to Scott's work and arrest him. And he thinks it's a joke. Singing telegram. Great. <laughs> what is this? A singing telegram? Which is a dated joke for the 80s. Oh, no, no, no. Totally. And then Brenda's like, she's like downloads them on everything. And she's like, we are like, we've been implicated. Like they took the boys, blah, blah, blah. And like the actor who plays Scott, I wrote, I think he thinks he's playing like who stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Like, and it's like, no dude, like you are literally being arrested for like molesting your kids on the reg. And also these two other girls as part of a satanic ring where you rent them out. To stri- like this is cause he's like, huh? What? You gotta be yeah. kidding gonna, me. Just keep going. What? What? <laughs> like someone said, Hey, the game's not on tonight. Tune what? in sweetheart. Like, <laughs> Our lives are over. Virginia Madsen, meanwhile, is at 10. Yeah. And he's the chillest dude in the world. But, like, she's also at, like, a church 10. Like, yeah. she's deeply concerned. Library but she's not, 10. She's not erratic, like, or hysterical in any way. Like, she's really handling this well. Because she has the confidence to say, I didn't molest my kids. So, let's, like, there's this whole interrogation thing. I write this as my nightmare. 
If you can find some, have at it. Okay, because I have never done anything of this nature in my entire life with any child. These, these allegations are absurd. Sodomy, sex with minors, pornography, and oral copulation. Debbie and Alvin's girls are saying we did those things to them. I don't even know what some of those things are. We want to know where the pictures are. Is that what you were looking for in my house? Dirty pictures? You won't find anything. None of this happened. The McCune girls are lying. What would you say if I told you that your children are talking with one of our counselors right now and making the same claims? Never. They would never say that. Ask them. Just ask my children. And that's where we got our title. Just ask my kids. I didn't do this. Just yeah, ask, ask my, my kids. kids. Um, I said that I would buckle really hard in a, in a situation like this. Um, and I wrote that I could use more anger and disgust from both of them when the charges are being read. Because I think that I would be like frothing from the mouth with anger if someone was like, you went down on your child. Like, yeah. I would be like, that's like the sick, I like, that's the sickest thing I've ever heard. Like, I, why would you ever say that to me? Especially like a guy, like Chris Maloney status on SVU. Like, that's, I just assume that you go there, like, where you want to murder pedophiles. Yeah. Like, so. That to um, me, like, it'd be hard not to hit him. Yeah. Like if someone said that to me, that's like my first reaction. It's like, it's the worst thing you could say to me. Um, and then when you watch Witch Hunt, you'll see other people accused and like in court did stand up and yell. Yeah. Because they're like, this is insane. What are you talking about? No, no, no. But the Niffins were very calm. They're very, very, very good citizens. Like I have to say, <laughs> they wanted to do like the whole law and order process. Like they really were like, you will not find me guilty of this because I didn't do it because this is America and you'll go through the evidence and you will see that that is ludicrous. No one would ever yeah. say that I did this to my kids. They keep repeating like, well, there's no physical evidence. They can't try you if there's no physical evidence. Yeah, and but like, what was physical evidence in 1982? They thought there were pictures, pictures like uh, like a cache of nudie Polaroids or whatever, yeah, 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 of buttholes and stuff. <laughs> so at the Shalimar Children's Center, where the boys are being questioned, it's getting pretty dark. Jenny and Caroline just told me about what's been happening to you, so I already know, and it's okay for you to tell me the truth. Nothing happened. I know that people have been touching and hurting your body. No. You can trust me, Brandon. I want to help you. And I want to help your parents. Are they in trouble? Yes, they are. And if you help me, then we can help you and your brother. We can make it all stop. I found it to be wildly inappropriate and an odd directing choice that the Vera Bradley, when she was questioning the kids, she was just casually eating a cookie. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like, I know from Burke Ramsey, they'll, like, put out, like, some blocks and stuff. But, like, do you eat a cookie with the kid while you're trying to get him to fess up to being molested? Uh, that had to have been a discussion where someone's like, we want her to look like she's, like, their friend. What could she do? Ah, kids love cookies. 
Just pull her something from craft services. Give her something to do. And that's made me, that made me wonder if it was like a network note. Like, I don't feel like Vera Bradley is relating enough to these kids. And like, you got to give me something. Okay. Because Vera like is very arrogant. Like she has a deep arrogance to her. And so confident for someone who's trying to like pull something off. Yeah. She already knows she won. Oh, it's sick. So she talks to the younger brother first, Brian, and she reverses him into a confession by saying that his brother said it happened. So his brother's is his brother a liar? If he said that happened, is he a liar? So like, you know, these are good people. Why would you want to call your big brother a liar? Like this, yeah. Brian doesn't want to do that. And like, whereas I would have been like, yeah, he's a fucking liar. Like he's lied his whole life. I don't know. Maybe he got a photo <laughs> taking his butthole. I didn't. No one's ever touched me, man. Never no. seen a hook. Get your cook out of my face. Brendan's, no, no, it's totally. So the case is blowing up and Brendan, uh, Brenda's locked up now. And I noticed they named the son after Brenda after a very long time. So is mm. Scott. They're locked up and he's taking issue with what the police are putting out out there because they're claiming that they've been investigating them for a really long time but like they didn't even know where he worked they were surprised that they had children on a rewatching. I realized they were like the boys because she's like the boys are sleeping and they were like the boys they didn't even know they were going to house where people had kids so like this was a huge curveball for them and He's talking to Alan, um, Debbie's husband in jail, and he's like, my children would never say these things. And he's like, that's what I thought. Yeah. So then Debbie, Troublemaker City, comes into the jail. <laughs> she is, Stephen. Stephen's like laughing. It's not funny, Stephen. I don't want you to have a friend like this. One day you could just have a friend, and the next day you're in jail for child molestation. Yeah. One day you're innocently playing cards with them. Oh, my friend has a messed up family. Oh, there you go. No, that's okay. Oh, that's she knows how to play solitaire. I'm going to go hang out. Hang out. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, <laughs> you're in prison next to Charles Manson. So, <laughs> Debbie tells Brenda that her step, they were in San Quentin. So, yeah. Charles Manson was in the mix. Yeah. yeah there's a funny I'm like, line I'm like dead. I'm like eye contacting with Stephen as if Stephen has asked for this. Like, okay. So, <laughs> Debbie tells Brenda that her stepmom wants custody and believes that these things have happened. And Brenda and Scott. Oh, must hold have been- on. There's a great line for why she believes it. Oh. She sighs, holds her head, and goes, my stepmom is obsessed with molestation. Yes. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean by obsessed with? How can anybody get your little girls to say these things? My stepmom's obsessed with molestation. Who knows what she's got my girls believing now that they're living with her. They're living with her? She's got temporary custody. You didn't tell us that. When you asked Scott to be a character witness, why weren't you honest about all this? Dear God, Brenda! I didn't think anyone would believe this. Who would believe all of this? So this is heart-wrenching. First of all, I'm very angry with Debbie for withholding. But I'm also trying to wrap my head around what it must be like to be brought into this when it's not even your fucking family and, like, you're just an innocent bystander. I would have beat the shit out of her. I may come off as a monster on this podcast about child no. molestation, but like... I think that's a popular opinion. The second someone does that to me and frames me for molesting my kids, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill them. But then, but then, like, you're even... But the, Okay, there's this really painful sub-goal of theirs. Well, no, it's not the sub-goal, it's the main goal. The sub-goal is to get off for this. But you realize that all these parents want is to get back to their kids or for those their kids to have a good life despite yeah. their fate. And 
every move they make at every single turn in this movie is for these kids. I welled up in a disgusting way at one point of this movie because I was just like, yeah, they love them. Like, they fucking love those kids. Like, it's all about these kids. So, and they went, what you will do for your child, too. Mm -hmm. Like, they went through all of this. And, like, people don't even know. I mean, unless you know those kids, you don't even know. You guys strap in. So the older son, Brandon, he's struggling to hold his own with the cop because he's a fucking kid. He's asking him questions like, did the grownups ever force you to touch their privates with your mouth? Which I, like, if, I, if an adult asked me that as a kid, like, I wouldn't know what that meant. Like, yeah. I'd be like, that sounds really gross and weird. Yeah, that's that thing to me of, like, the kids play it. <laughs> the kids are good. Or they're just, like, confused on their face. But it'd be hard for me as a kid to be like, what do you mean by with my mouth? Like, what do you mean by, <laughs> like, touch their privates with my mouth? Like, yeah. Like, explain what you're talking about. I would say, like, up until I was, like, probably 13 or 14, I couldn't even imagine how a, an intimate situation would be fun for anyone. Like, I was like, that just must be something that people do because, like, I don't know. Like... I don't know. That's what you do. Like when you're in a relationship and you love someone, like, I don't know, I guess you have to do that. Like I had no idea why anyone would ever have. So I was like, Oh, okay. Like, no, I wouldn't know. So now they're doing this with Brandon, what they did to, they're doing like, they're doing the reverse lie thing. And they're saying that the brother is corroborating with the girl's stories. Brandon says, yeah, someone did touch his bottom. They called it a bottom, too, in the 80s, you guys. Yeah. That was the other thing. Bottom was really big. So the boys want to go home. They're tired and emotional. They totally Amanda Noxie's boys. Did the man blow into your bottom? <laughs> That's what they say to him at one point. It's sick. Yeah. It's so sick. So then Brenda... Okay, this is amazing. So it's in, in the worst way possible. So Brenda's passed out in her cell, which God bless Brenda for being able to get a single Z. I know that she stayed up for as long as she could and then she finally passed out. So she's sleeping on her mat and someone walks up to her and she's like, do you need help moving? And Brenda's like, huh, what, we're moving? And she's waking up and the woman's like, so you're the bitch who likes the mouth of little kids. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. she's like, get up. And she pulls Brenda up and she's like, Sherry, hold the mattress. So they take the mattress and they hold it against the side of the cell. And then they beat the shit out of Brenda behind the mattress. And like the guards aren't doing shit. And like you really realize this the next day. Brenda's released on bail with two black eyes. And the cops are looking at the family like, I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She fell down some stairs. I thought the best actor in the movie was the cop who shrugged when Scott was like, what happened to her? Like he was the best because he was he spoke on about 15 different levels. He's like, I hate child molesters. I don't care what happens in this prison. The system's corrupt anyway. Like he was speaking on about 15 different levels with yeah. one shrug. So yeah. Brenda's mom is there now. Sweet, sweet lady. Very oh. sweet. She caused a lot of problems. So they're being harassed by the media. The media is there waiting for them. So meanwhile, was, these parents are charged with child molestation. <laughs> so the boys talk to each other at the children's center. They keep asking me over and over. And when I say no, they just, they just ask again and again. And they won't stop. And they yell at me when I answer wrong. Don't answer wrong. You have to do what they say. They can come and get us anytime. Just take us away. I want to go home. What do you think they did to mom and dad? I'm worried about them. 
too. Me too. When Brian goes, this is my favorite kind of worst writing. The me too. Me too. The, like, the pause, like, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say it again. And I, this, I wrote, the staring off in the distance and repeating the same thing twice to show how much you mean it. And I'm, I'm obsessed with this movie because it makes me feel so uncomfortable. And then, or this move. And then once my mom did it to me in the car, and I remember this. Because I was like, Mom, why does blah, blah, blah? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And I literally remember being like, that was the moment I was like, my mom is full of shit. Like literally that is the moment I realized oh. I, that she was just, this is, this was all a show just to get me through my childhood. That was it. Uh, so instead, how about yeah. let's put a positive sentence instead of full of shit, human, <laughs> human, but you don't, <laughs> but you don't like do a move. I mean, I would just like to say, I would like to not bring, that's a very actory thing to bring what you think a normal person would say yeah. into a moment. And that is something that only a person that's like a little bit removed from reality would do. Yeah. That's and that's like, I mean, maybe my mom could have been an Oscar winning <laughs> actor. I had a lot of friends growing up who would do like dramatic, um, cigarette drags yeah. like in between talking. It's the same kind of thing. of like, yeah. this is how a person shows they're heavy. And they could have been a huge actor, but they're probably what? Doing okay, but... <laughs> they are working for the Bakersfield Police Department. Oh, perfect. Uh, so Scott's trying to get the grill working, but it won't start. Um, and he gets so angry, he beats the shit out of the grill with a wrench. <laughs> yeah. While his wife quietly lays in bed. She just, she's dead inside. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, thank God for bail this whole time. So Janet tells the people, because you would think that they wouldn't get out on bail with that's, the charges they have. That's the wildest thing, is to be released on bail and be in your community where everyone saw the cops pour in your house because you touched a bunch of kids butts like yeah. i wouldn't want to go out i'd yeah. be like i'll just wait here i'll wait in prison and it's multi-layered because it's a sex ring mm -hmm. implicated specifically two two girls two boys however you feel about the issue this is going to be extra emotional for you like the yeah. cross section of what it is it's like there's no i think you can always go with the justification of like oh that person's just a pervert or something or like this person has a, a fucking mental illness that and they have to resist pedophilia daily and then yeah. they didn't resist pedophilia no this is like some high level shit this is the cross section of everything wrong with pedophilia so um we found it um, okay, so Janet <laughs> tells the people at the children's shelter that the kids were asked to be released by the defense for interviews. And the um, cookie eater, I forgot her name, Vera Bradley, tells her that um, she doesn't think it's good for the children because they're really fragile right now. Yeah. And Keeping then the, them isolated. Yeah, the lead detective, what's his name? I know it's Bennis, Sam Bennis. So I was like, oh, is that where Elaine got her last name? Like, it totally could have been. Um, like timing wise. So the detective was like, or Sam Bennis is like, no, we're not going to allow this. Despite the fact it's a court order, we're just going to pretend it got lost in the mail. He grants the grandmother's one supervised visit. And if anyone mentions the parents or the case, it's over, which seems like a very tall order because like contextually, what the fuck are they supposed to talk about? <laughs> yeah. Like, would you get to see them try to do like, it's just, it's just so, okay. So then we get the big reunion. They all are grandmas, the kids, they're doing pretty well. And then, and Brian's sitting with Janet at a table with Scott's mom and Brenda's mom gives Brandon two family photos and is like, hang on to these. 
like, I want you to have these for the one for you, one for your brother. And then she goes in for the kill. Honey, these are for you. There's one for you and one for your brother. Brandon, the things you said about your mom and dad, were they true? No. Then why did you say them? kept saying they want us to tell the truth but then they don't believe us they keep us in the room for hours every day and ask us over and over until we agree with them i'm really scared brenda's mom has the nugget she's needed and known was true and then she tells scott's mom that brenda said she'd kill herself before she'd go to prison and then brandon overhears this just as they're leaving the park and he's like very visibly upset and he asked Janet if his mom was going to die. So then Janet walks in the detective's office on fire the next day. Corrine Oliver told Brandon that his mother's going to kill herself. I knew this was a bad idea. He's a basket case. Have we lost him as a witness? I don't know. I want an arrest warrant for Corrine Oliver. Witness tampering. I want her in jail now. No more visits. Those kids stay under wraps, period. No one sees them but us. This is where I kind of started to turn on Janet a little bit, but I also realized that consistently Janet has the welfare of the child, the children in mind. Like, that is really what her deal is. But when she came in and said, like, witness tampering, especially because I thought she had a very pensive look on her face after the reunion. Like, she was like, something's off here. Like, these kids love their grandmas very much yeah. for, like, two kids that have been sexually tortured their whole <laughs> lives. very happy around this family. Um, so it's, like, very... It's kind of freakish to make sure uh, that they go... They go very, very far to make sure that these boys are not having their side of the story told. And it's very terrifying um, that you could just like hold back pieces of information and entire human beings that have stories as a way to put together a case that terrifies me. Another reason why I hope I never get arrested. <laughs> Brenda goes to the police station and bails out her mom. Sad moment. Cause like you, I, I mean, bailing out your elderly, elderly mom who was just trying to do the right thing by you. And she got, I mean, she got arrested for witness tampering. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. Okay. So, She's like, my attorney's going to rep you. And the attorney's like, no one in this town's going to help you. Just go back to Mississippi. Like, all you're going to do here is, like, fuck up their case more. Yeah. They have assigned a public defender, ya boy, to the kids. And he meets with Vera Bradley. And she's just up to her, like, meddling-ass shit and, like, completely selling him the story of, like, yeah, yeah, I work really hard with these kids. It's really hard to, like... And... um. Sam Bennis is like, oh, she has a real gift for, like, speaking to children. And it's like, no, she's a real gift for, like, coercing children into giving false police statements. <laughs> yeah, with like, her pervy old ideas. Yeah, no, for real. Like, and that is the true story, is that you are all approaching a child's mind with the adult sexual knowledge that you have. And, like, that is not, it's not how it works. No. You can't. Like, that is why I'm passionate about those Slenderman kids. They didn't know oh shit about boy. shit. What do they know? This is a big case, Andy. A big case. Everyone's watching. It's a career maker. Well, Sam, it's a case I can really believe in. We have leads on at least two more huge molestation cases. I don't have to tell you how public this is going to be. Sam, it's going to take some time, okay, to make this case solid. We have to take care. These are children. Oh, they're safely in custody. No one can get to them. 
So take all the time you need. Don't lose this case, Andy. Not a chance. I wrote, it's perverse how excited the detective is about getting them a guilty verdict and how great it's going to look for them in the press. Yeah. And it's all about ego. He doesn't care if those boys are locked up away from, like, he doesn't care if this family is completely divided, the kids are in fault. He doesn't, he'll do whatever it takes. So time jump to one and a half years later. Brenda's cooking in the kitchen, chopping a zucchini, and she hears Brandon calling for her. And she's like, oh, no, that's a fake out. And then she hears it again. And she's like, what? So she runs to their bedroom, breaks open the door. And like, this is like a very, very good lifetime moment. Her boys are not there. This is like might be our most lifetimey moment because there's men with hair dye. There's really bad recastings. There's overdramatic under. Okay. So Virginia Madsen kills this crying scene where she basically is having a panic attack and Scott is comforting her and he is way too calm. And um, this actor is basically our greatest underreactor we've ever had on the show, oh, by wow. far. Like, like scene to scene, he's different. And I have a theory on him that I'll give you later. I keep trying to go on, but I can't. <laughs> Come on, for the boys, just, just keep it together for the boys, huh? They kidnapped our children. Every night I pray to God, and every day I wake up to this empty room. What are they thinking about it? Do they know that we still love them? That we're trying to get them back? I mean, God, what do they think? We're going to win. I'm going to win. God, how do we get back the last year and a half of our lives? I mean, how do I get back the Christmas and their birthdays? And their school programs. How how can we win, Scott? God, it kills me that I can't protect you. And I, I, I couldn't protect them. No. I, I just can't stand feeling this helpless. It's happened to us. The trial is finally starting. Okay, and we're going to get up in front of that jury and they're going to see that we are innocent. You know what? Forget about cooking. Let's go out to eat. Oh, I don't know, Scott. Come on, listen. No, we owe it to ourselves, huh? I am not staying cooped up in here forever. No. Okay. Okay. Twin brothers? Yeah, he's a secret twin. So it's actually the Pretty Little Liars plot. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, no. So Scott's giving her a break from making a meal for the night. They decide to go to the diner. Yeah, come on. We're going to go out and have fun. And he says, he's like, come on. He's like, we got to get out of here. And she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's we like, can't well, be prisoners in our own house. Let's go live our lives. But he also acted like the biggest pain in the ass of it for her was that she had to make the meal. And I'm like, no, 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 honey. Like the greater, I'm sure she'll chop a zucchini till she dies if she has to, if she gets her kids back. So um, a waitress like throws the plates of food on the table at the diner. Scott tells her to get the manager. What's the problem? You listen to me. For a year and a half, we've been putting up with the stares and the whispers. Right here, right now, it stops. Now we've been coming to this restaurant for over 10 years. I don't give a damn what you think of us, but you will treat my wife and me with respect. I insist on it. This is my theory. 
the actor's all over the place. I bet he's married, but he doesn't have kids, which is why he can play the love scenes very, very well. But he doesn't have a ton of raw emotion about the kids. Okay. Nothing to tie it to. Like, I don't think, because, I mean, I don't know how you act, but, like, it seemed like he was pulling from something real in a lot of scenes, which I would imagine this movie, it's all, it's a lot of direction in a movie like this from scene to scene. I don't have kids. Anytime I need to act like emotional towards a child, I just think of my dog, the chooch. I was going to ask you about what if someone molested the chooch, but then I was like, I can't do that to Jackie. <laughs> I mean, I, if I said I'd hit someone for accusing me of something, I definitely <laughs> would be very upset if they did that. Or maybe I like it. Maybe I trade her around in hotel rooms. Yeah. Me and my dog ring. <laughs> And, like, there's regular people out there that have dogs that they don't love as much as children that are probably so angry because, like, you know, we're not supposed to do that, like, compare dogs to kids. But um, I know how you feel. Like, literally, Animal Instincts, re the boy. So um, right as I was writing this, okay, Scott found Brandon's baseball glove in a bush, and then he smells it, and he cries. Mm Mm-hmm. But that to me was like the director being like, pretend you found your grandfather's like loose piece piece of parchment paper with a love note to your grandma. That that scene honestly weirded me out because it felt more sexual to me than it did sweet. A year and a half later, the glove still smells like your kid. (laughs) And also your house has been trashed by the police, but yet the baseball mitt, which I would assume in a sexual assault case is key evidence, is in a bush. Yeah. Also, like, that right? That then, like, and it's the shitty thing of, like, watching things with, like, a writer's mind or, like, that's why we saw that catch scene earlier. Yeah. Was to establish the mitt yeah. for the big cry scene. You got to establish the mitt. So in October 1983. <laughs> Chekhov's mitt. A news person says it's a Pandora's box. It's been opened. There are molestation and satanic cults around the U.S. Dr. Woodland, what does your wink response test show? Based on case history and medical exams of the boys, I would say that the positive wink response is caused from multiple penetrations of the anus with an erect penis and a finger. Brandon failed his wink test. And the wink test, and they said, like, he reacted... The way that someone would if they had an erect penis or a finger. Go on. I just wrote erect penis and a finger. We're going there. So the wing test is this, which, okay. So basically in the 80s and probably before that, um, one of the ways that they would prove the unprovable, which is whether or not like a child, this child is telling the truth or not, is, is they would basically poke their asshole with a swamp (laughs) and if the butt had a certain reaction it meant the kid had been molested but remember when say that like everyone's going to fail that test because a natural reaction when someone is coming and your asshole with a swab is like whoa what the fuck like literally what the fuck like and also like am i looking back do i know when it's gonna hit yeah that's gonna startle me too and btw remember that these kids 
did not get molested so that they're like literally like I just got pulled out of bed one day and all of a sudden I don't get to see my parents anymore and people are touching my butt with swabs yeah, like the they doctor puts have a swab in my butt no hole. context for this I so mean, that really feels like uh to prove you weren't a witch in the Salem witch trials you would drown yeah or like burn it's like oh I guess they weren't uh it's just this weird backwards logic so Brandon gets called in. Okay, Brandon, you remember when you told me about the nasty things that your parents did to you? Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about the times your mom and dad and Debbie and Alvin McEwen hung you from the hooks in your house and put their fingers in your butt. Objection, leading. Your Honor, these are little children. I have to lead a little. Overruled. Be careful, Mr. Guinness. <clears throat> Brandon, you told me they hung you from hooks. Yes. What have they done to him? I'd like to call Brian Niffin, Your Honor. So he's a zombie, and Virginia Madsen's just like, what have they done to him? They probably swapped his butt. And Brian takes the stand. And they did a really good job of shooting his entrance. I would say excellent lifetime directing work. The POV is very effective. It's from him. So you can see him walking into this big court and his parents are on the left and the defendant's side. And then there's the judge up there and the, like, the lights are bright. So um, he starts crying as soon as he gets up on the stand. The court takes a recess and during the recess, you're the DA that I want you to tell me about, who's a real shithead, says this to him. Brian, look at me. Look at me. I know you're embarrassed. You can do this, okay? Brian, you need to help us. Don't you want to help this be over for you and for Brandon and uh, for your parents? Yeah, okay. Me too. Look at me, Brian. Look at me. Now you just... Do what we talked about. You tell the truth. In a couple of days, I promise this whole thing is going to be over. Tell me about this asshole. So Not, the, <laughs> let me rephrase that. <laughs> the, the swab. Tell one. me about this really sinister lawyer. Um, well, he was the DA. He was a DA in Bakersfield, and he wanted to make a big name for himself. So he was a super conservative guy who was like, I'm going to get a name for myself no matter what. So yeah. he tried all these cases. And even after they, like when they proved that all of this was a lie or whatever, he refused to apologize. He never said he did anything wrong and then continued to, even though they proved he was wrong and like power hungry, he stayed in office. He kept getting reelected. Yeah. And one year he ran unopposed. Um, he sent a guy to life on the three strikes uh, law. The third strike, the guy stole a pack of donuts that Shut valued less than a dollar. And he goes, you're going to prison for 25 to life because you stole that. And he's like, but it was a dollar donut. And he's like, you're gone. He was, yeah, because people insanely... are dying to steal a donut. Yeah. Like, if you, because if you're stealing a donut, you really want to do that. Like, you're in a great position in your life <laughs> and you're just doing that to fuck the man. Like, yeah. he said if he you're didn't stealing care. a donut, the system has failed you. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then it, for, it fails you even further by being that's your third strike. You're in prison for the rest of your life. Okay. And like the, okay, this is the other thing about this is that I really believe there probably were at least that many undiscovered sexual offenders in the area at that time. Yeah. But like the real victims are not going to talk about it. Like what is this all of a sudden this rush of over eager children to talk about being molested? Like that is very rare even in today's society i like if you google your sexual offender map it's fucking it's crazy but like so there's plenty of them out there this is a real this is a realistic number in a sense but the people they got were all the wrong guys Mm -hmm. so the judge keeps over overruling the defense um and the judge says that they're just like kids they have to lead them into these questions brian says that his mom performed oral on him mic drop and then except not mic drop because as Brian is leaving the court, he throws his parents a paper airplane. Yeah. And he's really good at it now. And he's all All these months in the juvenile detention center, he's really improved his paper aviation. Uh, And when they open up the paper airplane, it says, you suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) And he stopped smiling. Best beach of my life, mom. So... Brenda and Scott take the stand. Um, and if what they showed of their testimony, like, it's not particularly compelling. Like, I needed more from them. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense lawyer tells Scott's dad that their request to submit Debbie's mom's mental health history was declined. So Marianne, who spun this fucking wicked web, she it, apparently it's not relevant that she's completely mentally ill and has been coaching these two girls. Um, the lawyer's pissed. He starts listing it out. These are the things that like got completely swept away. Their interview was denied. The physical with the uh, their regular or the physical with their children on their side was denied. A statement by their regular pediatrician was denied. Statements from their teachers were denied. So like basically anything that could help these people improve that there's a sense of normalcy in the home. And then of course there's this whole attitude of no one in town wants to stand on the side of the accused child molesters, even if they know they're good people, because then you might as well be a child molester yourself. The worst possible label you could have. And you'd be accused of it for helping them. It's the same thing as the witch trials. So Scott's dad says that the judge lost his election bid for district district attorney because he was painted as being too soft on child molesters. Mm-hmm. So we got a little backstory with the judge and Scott's dad is like so pissed. And like, I love Scott's parents. Like that's all you could ask for in two parents. Like just fucking sent from heaven. And then he's like, you better try harder. And then like the lawyers by himself and he just says into the abyss, like as obviously this is a lifetime movie. So it went to commercial. He's like, God couldn't defend these people right now. <laughs> Which is real. Yeah. Final and statements. What's crazy is that's when God shows up. Dude. <laughs> Lawyer up. Dude, it's just, oh, it's so fucked. Uh, so final statements are being made. The prosecution gives a story, really strong statement, saying that they have the word of four children and medical evidence. His case sounds very, very strong. Um, I can't imagine, like, especially in the 80s, that it would occur to these people that potentially someone, like, would be tampering with the evidence here, whereas I feel like now we live in more of a question authority society where at least, like, one person on that jury, it would have been a hung jury. Yeah. So he ends the statement with children don't lie. Not true. 
Um, I want to play the closing statement for the defense just because it's so crucial to what happens next. Um, and this was like when I, w- I was started to like just like get like my mouth started watering. So I was like, this is going to be the meat. <laughs> this is where this writer is going to turn it the fuck out for me or they're not. And it was turned the fuck out. Like this was a very good closing statement for the defense. These children have been in the custody of the welfare department since they were taken forcibly from their parents over two years ago. The district attorney's office has had unlimited access to these children. The defense has had none. In Salem, two little girls pointed their fingers and said, those people are witches. And those people were taken before a jury and 20 of them were hung. What went wrong there is going wrong here. Hysteria. Please, do not put down your reason, as Mr. Gindis has asked, and just believe. Use your reason. Ask yourselves, is what these children are saying reasonable? I really liked it. It wasn't bad. I thought the Salem Witch Trials reference was like a little cliche but necessary um and the use reason was a very good call to make because that put it back into the hands of the user like Mm -hmm. that was like you got to interact with this now use your reason like did this mother blow her child on a plant hook or is that a ridiculous scenario I wish he explicitly said that (laughs) because if you word it that way he's like yeah I guess that's pretty goofy Right? Like, if one person, I mean, it's just so traumatic to listen to the evidence as it stands on its own. Like, if one person had just gotten a little bit colorful in their language, a little bit more crass, I think that things could have really been tidied up really quickly. If people would be like, oh, no, that makes no sense. So, it's May 16th, 1984, six days later. Brenda's scrubbing the coffee table. She's completely breaking. Now, I want to notice this is like almost two years now. And this is a very long trial. So she's scrubbing the coffee table. Um, She hasn't seen her children in two years. On the news, we're seeing more and more people are being arrested. And then we find out the jury's back. Scott's like, it's fine. Yeah, here we go. We get to see our kids now. Very chill. They haven't seen their children in two years. And they're like, oh, here we go. Here's justice. Worst case scenario, hung jury. Yep. Would you be that confident, do you think? No. I, I mean, the fact that it took two years to get to this point, I'd be like, we're fucked. If the, the fact that they didn't throw this out immediately, yeah, that means they're considering it. I definitely would have been nervous. But imagine having the bias of knowing that you didn't do it and then hearing all this evident, evidence marched out in court every day. I would be very hopeful. I think that I would be very... I mean, what else do you have to live for when you find this lesson out except for hope at a certain point? Um, Which they have. They keep. Remember, don't give up. So they found, uh, they are found guilty for 69, he's found guilty for 69, she's found guilty for 70 counts of sexual child abuse. All four of them are uh, found guilty, she's sentenced to 240 years, they both are. And that is like... 40 years. And by the way, that is the longest sentence that had ever been instated for a child molester up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott and Brenda kiss goodbye in court. Um, Janet comes in 
to a room where they're both oddly standing there, which I feel like they immediately pull the man and woman away from each other and like separate you by gender. They don't let a couple like sit there and continue to conspire if they've just been sentenced to 500. And Brenda fainted in court too. Yeah. When she's walking out, she faints. And as she faints, a Bible is knocked off a table and falls to the floor. And they do a shot of the Bible just sitting on the floor like, what are we doing? And someone picks it up and sets it onto the table. And puts it on the prosecution's table. Yeah, there you go. Damn, art. That's art, actually. Thank you for noticing that. Of course. So they're like, we feel it's best that you get to say goodbye to your boys. The welfare department agrees that it's best. They need closure. You're going to have 15 minutes, and if either of you cry, we're going to pull them all out of here. So they have 15 minutes alone with their boys before they go to jail for the rest of their natural lives. 240 years. The boys enter, and they are thrilled to see their parents. Um, Brian's like, can we all go home now to Janet? Because these boys were operating under the assumption that if they just told the story that they were supposed to tell, then they would get to go home. Um... Brenda is put in solitary, which I thought was a a very chic move on their behalf. Like, I thought that was chic because she was going to be a sitting duck, like, in there. Otherwise, we already saw what happened to her in, like, regular jail. Like, that's nice. to. I would prefer solitary if I got arrested. Like, if I got, if I had to spend my life in jail, I would want to be in solitary. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not a lot of people would choose that, Adam. Like, are you an introvert, too? Uh, it's not that I'm an introvert. It's that I'm okay being alone with myself. Yeah. And I could, I could read a lot. I could write, I could work out in my cell. Like I'd be fine. You have a sense of autonomy and that's important. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be good. You get like really ripped. Everyone thinks you're going to get ripped in jail. Yeah. Like like, why would you want to die ripped? (laughs) I don't want to die. I want to look sick in my coffin. (laughs) So, um, who was it that I was talking to recently that was like, I want to look like shit when I die. Like, like, I don't want to live my whole life to look beautiful when I die. I want to look like shit. And then you close that coffin and you bury me. And I was like, I think it was an Uber driver. And I was like, yeah, that is exactly right, my man. You want to look like that was an Uber driver in Austin. That's exactly who it was. So the boys are put into foster care. Shout out to him. Pretty, de- I know, that's my boy. Pretty devastating scene. Um, as, we're ha- as this is happening, we're hearing a voiceover of Brenda writing a letter to the boys. Dear Brandon, I want you to know that no matter what you've been told... Your mommy loves you with all my heart and soul. I know you were forced into saying those things in court, and I don't want you to ever blame yourself. You and Brian will always be the most precious things in our lives. Dad and I tried so hard to get you back. Help Brian to understand that. I want you guys to know that I'm okay, and I believe that someday we will be together again. What we have as a family will always be in our hearts. No one can take that from us. I want you to grow up and be nice young men, to go to college and love a girl as much as I love your daddy. All we can pray for now is for God to step in. Don't ever forget he exists because he does. What is most important to me is that you boys stay together and that you take care of each other. Remember, I love you guys. I always will. Mommy. So Scott writes a letter from prison now to his mom. But what did you think about the boys going into foster care? Like just sitting on that bed alone? Well, there are a lot of weird foster care scenes in this where like 
the the people that are watching them are trying to like engage them at dinner and mm-hmm. they act weird and they give them like a dirty look and look at each other like these kids suck yeah it's like the the foster people are judging these kids and they were shitty to them it was very weird mom i'm in protective custody here at san quentin evidently guys like me don't last long in here otherwise I'm not far from Sirhan Sirhan and Charles Manson. Remember when I was a boy and used to worry about the company I kept? It'd be funny, but it's not. Keep trying to get custody of the boys. It's all we hope for. I'm so worried about Brenda. Now we see the boys eating dinner with their foster parents, and like you kind of get the feeling that it's been a long time, but they're still having very like rudimentary conversations where they're like, He's like, how was school? They're like, fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. Um, and he's like, you know, thank you, Mr. Black. And the guy's like, you can call me dad. And he's like, that's okay, Mr. Black. Um, which I thought that was like very, very inappropriate. I feel like that's probably yeah. in foster parent training that you don't say like, you could call me dad. I'm temporary. Like you're here as a, te- like you're here on a layover. Yeah. Call me dad. Also, why do you want to be called dad? Like, I don't know. It's just weird. So Brandon takes him outside. And this is like, this is where my heart broke into a million pieces because you saw that Brandon was a broken human. And he's like, hey, you ought to call him whatever he wants. And Brian's like, I'm not going to call anyone dad. That isn't my dad. So Brian's got that fighting spirit. But like Brandon's caved. Yeah, he's um, And it plays out throughout his entire life. Um, the, and I'm going to tell you, by the way, also, there's a real perversion at the end of this that I want to talk to you about and what I think is the low key perversion of this entire story. So the prosecuting attorney tells Janet and the detective that the grandparents want custody of the kids. He's completely opposed. He's like, they're going to sway them. Uh, Janet thinks they should be with family. The lawyer's like, it's not good. It won't be good for the appeal. It's not good for the kids. This DA is a complete asshole. Like it's all about winning this. And Sam Bennis is like totally like very cock. Like he's behind closed doors. Sam Bennis has like, he won't even pretend he cares about the kids. He's about winning this for the city. Mm-hmm. Like is what's the deal with your town? Is it like, what, what's the deal? Is it's it spiritually ultra, broke. It's ultra, ultra conservative. Um, uh, a lot of parts of it, very racist and very religious. So that's, uh, Oh God, I'm trying to be okay. So, uh, Bakersfield has like, it, when you watch this documentary, they cite it as like, we pride ourselves on cowboy justice. So oh. we have a real sense of cowboy justice. And it's like, yeah, the, the slogan of Bakersfield is come here on vacation, leave on probation. So it's like famous for cops starting shit with you. Wow. They're out there looking to Similar engage to you in something. my queendom, Glendale, yeah. where you get arrested here a lot. They oh, love wow. to arrest in Glendale. Okay. So yeah. it's the same way there. Yeah. But different. Uh, yeah they're racist so is it like is that like that's who's turning out for trump in like the cali election there was a story in the los angeles times about how hardcore bakersfield was for trump okay so like a reporter went down there and interviewed and was like well why are you for him and the reporter aggressively comments on their lifestyles like it's like as i spoke uh said so-and-so while drinking out of a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew and holding McDonald's. And it's like, ooh. I was going to ask, so is it like, is it is it like Christian self-righteousness? Like these people have no, um, is, it, is it moneyed? 
Republicanism or is it like is it median income like 55 like normal normal grand it's like, crazy grand. it's all spread it's out because oil dale is like a suburb where that's where all the the lower income people live where all the oil derricks are which is why it's called oil dale and then you have like different pockets where there is a lot of wealth because halliburton is there mm-hmm. so we have like the oh halliburton that's Republicans. everything yeah that's a huge halliburton headquarters shit. right right there in the middle of it Ooh, that's some shit yeah yeah that's so some it's, real shit. it's a mix right there Dude, I was just in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where Slenderman happened. Oh, man. Same exact thing. I was outside of a bar. I met a lovely lesbian named Karen. I was, like, loving her. She's, like, 50. But then she had a friend with her, and they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I just came from, I'm living in L.A., but I just came from D.C. for doing the Women's March. Now I'm doing a movie here. And they were like, um, they were like, well, I, the Karen's friend said to me, I think that you need to accept who our president is. That's who the country voted for, and that's who we should accept. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, Karen, blink twice. Like, if you need some, like, I gave her my business. I was so aggressively drunk. I gave her my business card, and I whispered to her, I will get you out of this town. And then <laughs> we were asked to leave the bar. Oh, my God. Well, we leave. had been kicked out, and then I was like, Karen, I'm going to get kicked out of this bar right now, but I want you to know I'll never forget you, girl. Um, oh. And I, and by the way, someone said to me, they because I was snapping about it when I was drunk, and someone said to me, girl, if there is a lesbian in Waukesha, she wants to be there. Like, she's happy. Yeah. And I was like, am I homophobic? Like, I went on a journey. So Scott's mom goes to visit <laughs> Brenda in court, and she tells her that the prosecution showed up at the custody hearing, and they won. And Brenda is, like, hardened now. And this is where Virginia Madsen should have won her fucking Emmy because the way she progressively hardens throughout this movie while keeping her sweet nature, especially regarding her boys, is in, it's really nuanced acting. Yeah. Um, so she tells her that they are a nice family. Uh, wait, what is this? Oh, Brenna is hardened. She takes the news somewhat well. She tells her, oh, they're with a nice family. They're with a nice foster family. But... They're going to go over the appeal shit soon. So then she also tells Brenda that Scott looks okay. He wants a radio. And then Brenda, this is where you get the first taste of like Brenda is like not Brenda anymore. Brenda doesn't live here anymore. She goes, that'll help. 240 years is a long time to live without a radio. That's like a like really dark. (laughs) And also true. Like you would never know what songs are out. You wouldn't know what was popular. You'd like just, that's where you just lose touch. You're like dead already. But like if I was in jail and then like Uptown Funk came on the radio, I would literally murder everyone. <laughs> like I'd be like, I don't want to know about this. Like I don't want to know. Like I don't want to know Cake by the Ocean. I don't need to know that. I was literally fine dying here alone. I would listen to Motown probably on my radio. In that case, just get tapes. Who yep. needs to know the news? You don't need to. What, are you ever going to vote again? Nope. Yeah. So, and that's that thing of like being resigned to being in prison for the rest of your life. You're like, well, at least my kids are okay. It's like you don't really care about stuff like that anymore. No. So Brenda goes back to her cell and an inmate spits in her face. Um, and the cop she's with does nothing. Because, by the way, the cops will do nothing to help you. Um, we hear a letter that uh, she's written for Scott. My darling Scott, I get a lot of letters from my mother. She sounds so sad. I'm worried about her. Writing to you is my only relief. The days are so very long and the nights are longer. I will continue to write every day 
every single day until we are together again. Do you think the boys get our cards and letters? We're missing their birthdays, their soccer games, their heartaches. Who takes care of them when they're sick? I wonder if they still think about us. So Brian wakes up in the middle of the night with purpose and he's yelling, mommy. And he runs from the room. Brandon follows. He runs out the front door of the house. He runs out late to the sidewalk. Brandon completely tackles him. He's like, where are you going? And he's like, I don't know. What were you going to do? I don't know. And Brandon's like, I don't know what's true anymore. And I'm like, Brandon, that's out of nowhere. And like, by the way, very key to this case. Like, you should probably speak up about the fact that you don't know what's true anymore. Why are you just telling this child? So um, in prison, a guard harasses Brenda during the mealtime. This was upsetting for me. And I should know better having watched Orange is the New Black. But like, this is dark. So... The person giving feeding her also gave her a shitty meal. They gave her a tiny bit of salad and a tiny roll. No meat. Tee up the line. No appetite or just the wrong kind of meat? I know you like it young and tender. I'm innocent, Landry. My kids will tell the truth and I'm going home. Sure you are. You're up for parole in a short 104 years. Just not the kind of meat you want. Um, which is people are very creative when they're verbally harassing pedophiles. I've noticed Yeah, there's a lot of projection. That's where they work out their tight five. I mean, seriously, like they get very creative. So Scott's parents have brought in a new private investigator. He's not from this County. He's a former cop. I won't spin my wheels trying to get guilty folks out of prison. I have been a respected member of this community my entire adult life. I've served on the grand jury in this county. Something went terribly wrong with this case. It's ruined all of our lives. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll investigate. You pay me my rate. But if at any point I become convinced they're guilty, I'm gone. And what you paid, you paid. I wrote, this actor is ridiculous. He looks nothing like the Baldwins, but he has the vibe. Also very badly dyed hair. But I didn't realize, of course he does, because this is going to go on for another 10 years. So they have to age this man somehow. Um, And then retrospectively, I was like, well, what were they supposed to do? Like, this went on for way too long. So Brenda breaks it down for him. Debbie's stepmom is fucking crazy and dragged them into it. She's not unlike all the other people out there who are being accused of this. She tells them that she was naive and they never thought they could go to jail. She tells them this is like, basically Brenda's like laying it out for him. And and he's like, okay, like Brenda legit, you're a good person. Like I'm going to represent you. And I like that. He thinks she's funny. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone has ever thought Brenda was funny in her life until she met this man who was very charmed by her wit. I bet it like she was like, ooh, when he's like, hey, you're funny. Yeah. It's like, it's probably the first time she's ever been complimented that she, way. He like blushed and chuckled like, I'm not supposed to have this kind of personal relationship with you. You're one of my clients, but you're just so damn funny. But like, do you think you get funnier in jail? Yeah, I think her sense of humor is like sharpened by that. Yeah. Because it's like a real life. That might be the first time she had like a great life experience where it's like, oh, I guess I found out who I am. Yeah. I can make jokes about it. Because I got vibes that she was like married to Scott from like straight out of high school. Um, 16 on. So um, 
Yo, Christmas passes. She writes to Scott. Little montage of them writing back to each other. This line killed me in particular. She goes, I wish we were in a place where the seasons change so that it could feel like time has passed. <laughs> and I realized that what it is that us on the outside all celebrate about California constantly is an extra threat to people who are in the prison system, especially if they're innocent because it's the same all the time. Yeah. And like when I watch like shows like 60 days in, I'm like, Oh shit, that must suck to have your one hour of wreck a week in like a snowy room. Cause like they don't, when it's winter, they don't go outside. They just yeah. stand in a, like a snowy room with small windows. So it's just, yeah. Um, the thing that blew my mind in Scott's letter, and that's what we talked about earlier. He's in prison. He goes, I'm next to Charles Manson and Sirhan Sirhan, who shot Bobby Kennedy to death. So this innocent man is next to two of history's most notorious killers. And he's just quietly writing a letter. Yeah. It's absolutely mind blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, like, here's my thing. From a husband's perspective, how would you have handled this differently than Scott? Like, do you think he emotionally handled Brenda well? Um, like, with, with their letters back and forth? I just feel like Scott got a little bit too, like, it was like as if he was at college. Well, see, I have the benefit of watching that documentary, which okay. huh, where he said his one goal was, my only job is to make sure she's happy. Oh. So everything I write her, I want to make sure her spirits Stab are high. Stab me in the face. Oh my God. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. So so then he's just living to make sure she isn't more miserable with his letters. Oh, fucking A. So this, that, oh God, kill me. So Brenda's playing a game in the rec room with like another inmate who's like probably mentally challenged. Like yeah. she found one friend and the woman, a woman walks up to her and she's like, Look at this. I thought the only time you like playing games was with kids. Uh, I want to play this scene because it's so good. When are you finally going to leave me alone, Bess? Some people wanted the death penalty for you, Nathan. Yeah, and some people wanted life. Lucky for me, I only got 240 years, huh? Ain't long enough for your type. You know, in case you haven't noticed, there's a lot of my type here. In fact, there's 26 of us here on child molest, all from the same county. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Or don't you think the system makes mistakes? Nah. Gee, the system's been my best friend. That's it. Just keep watching your back, Nathan. When the girl goes, the system's been my best friend, what does that mean? Because she's also on parole, or she's also in jail for life, too. She's also on death row, or, or like, life, whatever, solitary. She's the one who's spitting her face. Yeah, I guess I didn't really get, think much about that line. The, what is it again? She goes, because um, Brenda was, like, sound pretty, like, familiar to you about your experience with the system. She's like, no, the system's been my best friend. And I'm like, no, it's no, it hasn't. Oh, they put like, you in prison for girl, your like, life. You've had like a really hard, like you probably wouldn't have even been in here. It's a socioeconomic thing, like probably a lot of racism. This is like California in the 80s. <laughs> she broke that down for her. That'd be great. But um, she doesn't. But she does say. Okay. April 1989. The boys have been recast. It's hilarious. They look like different people. But real quick, doesn't Brenda then in that moment, she's like, Listen, if you're going to do something, do something. I didn't do it. So either basically like kill me or shut up. 
that's later on okay. in the calf. But okay. I I feel you because this moment was very important to understand. Like you have to if you want respect in prison, you have to earn respect. Mm-hmm. I have learned that from watching 60 Days In. If someone takes something off your lunch tray, you fucking grab their hand, and you say, "No, don't touch my shit." Like you have to be very and that is where I would fail time and time again because if someone wanted to take the sweatshirt off my freezing body and leave me to die I would probably let them if the threat of physical violence lingered over me in any capacity which at this point if you're a pedophile they're gonna let you get beaten up yeah April 1989, boys have been recast. It's hilarious. They look like different people. They're being moved out of their foster home. 47 years old at this point. No, dude. Brandon is so old. Like, he's ripped. Yeah. Like, I was like, Brandon's probably had sex, like, consensually with a a real (laughs) girl. Yeah, he's definitely not passing the wink test at this point. He's like, and also, yeah. So, okay. So, the blacks have moved. This new family is a boy their age. And, um... They, like, really want you guys. That's what Janet says. And they really want you guys. And I'm like, Janet, you can't say that. This is, because, like, that's, like, negating all of their previous foster homes. And we find out they've been through, like, 16 or something at the end. They keep fighting. So the boys are putting away their stuff. The foster family's kid's a little dick. And he's like, don't touch my stuff. The real son always gets a top drawer. Then Brandon's like, stay away from me. And the kid's like, don't take it out on me just because your parents didn't love you. Brian beats the shit out of him. The mom comes in, breaks up the fight, and she's like, oh, whatever, like, moving on. And it's like, if you have new foster kids and they haven't even put their shit away yet and they beat the shit out of your birth child, wouldn't you say, like, oh, okay, this is a really clear time that this is not going to work out? Like, you haven't even put your it stuff depends. away yet. That kid was a pretty big shithead, so he I'd be like, total dick. I'd close the door and be like, finally, he learned his lesson. Do you think they were in it for the money or do you think they just hated that kid? Because I think that they are like, we're like, we want extra kids around money because, uh, yeah, foster, a lot of foster parents do it for the paycheck. Oh yeah. It's such a sad situation. They try and get as many kids as they can because it's an extra, you know, 500 a week or whatever. I've seen that movie with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen where they switch places and, um, that happens. Scott writes to Brenda, (laughs) a lot of cases, um, in Kern County, is that what it's called? Um, are bringing up questions all over the country. This is happening now too. So this will help them. Um, Brenda stands up to the inmate who was taunting her earlier. She's like, if you want to fight me, fight me. I got nothing left to lose, which I was like, exactly, Brenda. Exactly. Like also I'd be kind of simultaneously praying for someone to beat the shit out of me. So maybe I'd get sympathy and go to the hospital or they'd kill me. <laughs> okay. They'd definitely send you to the infirmary. Yeah. And then maybe protective custody. I could use a few up. days, like, in, in the infirmary. Like, I would like that. you probably get juice. I'd like TV. that right now. Um, so Brenda takes the lie detector test that the lawyer, or that the private investigator has set up for them. And he says that the court has denied her. Are you growling at me? He says the court has denied her a chance, but he's going to try and submit this evidence. You said you were going to look over the old police reports? Oh, I did. Yeah, it took me weeks to wade through them all again. Anything? Yeah, when uh, when I took a look at the dates, I found something odd. It seems that some of these reports were written weeks after the interviews with the boys, and i got to tell you, that's not police reporting. That's creative writing. Yeah, it's one long fairy tale. Well, look, uh, 
I didn't come without any good news today. Oh? Because of time and pressure from Dick and the other families who are in the same boat, an investigation has been launched by the state attorney general's office. They're looking into Kern County's conduct of these molestation cases. Really? Well, thank God. So he thinks Brenda's funny. He just laughed at Brenda again. The investigation's on. Like, he knows she's innocent. This guy's... Okay, so the cop and the prosecuting lawyer are talking to... Um, are talking, and he tells Andy that this is... the DA, that this isn't looking good for them. They have cases all over the country that are being overturned. Uh, there's people actively claiming that the police department has uh, pressured them into giving a story. People are hysterical. And then I notice, is Sam wearing a yarmulke? I didn't notice that. There was one shot where yes, part yes, of his you're head, right. Yes, and I'm I like, that. is Sam Bennis low key like an Orthodox Jew? Could be, or just a regular Jew that loves to like honor his religion. Maybe it was like a religious holiday. Could be, yeah. Isn't there a religious holiday where you wear the yarmulke more often than not? I don't know. Okay. That makes me sound bad. No, it doesn't make you sound bad. I don't know. Please. Oh, I don't even monster. know if I, it could be a yarmulke or a shadow. I have no idea. So they're so far gone that Brandon thinks that him not wanting to. Okay. Oh, oh no, no, no. Brandon and Brian get into a huge fight. We have to play this. Brandon, how do you explain that I don't remember any of it if it happened? Do you remember your first day in kindergarten? No, so what? Grandma said you cried and tried to take your bear with you. So? So even though you don't remember it, you know what happened because everyone said so. Right? That's the way it is with this. Everyone said it happened, so it did. I just don't believe it. What, the whole world is lying to us? The courts, the police, the social workers, foster parents, they're all lying to us. Why? You see, it doesn't make sense any other way. It must be true. It can't be true. You just don't want to believe it. Not again. That's it. All right, Brandon, stop it. And Brandon's like, you don't believe because you don't want to believe. And I'm like, Brandon, why do you want to believe that? And he's so far gone that he thinks that you're supposed to just believe what anyone tells you. And that like, I mean, think about it psychologically, I guess. Brandon would be so ashamed that he was the older brother and that the ship got steered this way that he would be the harder one to break like yeah. in the long run. Cause he has to use a lot of denial, but that's like intense, man. Like Brian has no memory of being molested. And he's like, they said we were. So we were. Yeah. Brian's at his new foster home because they got kicked out for fighting. Um, in a letter from Scott, we learned that Brian is now 13. Brenda puts a birthday candle on a donut in September, 1990. Brenda and Scott are talking. I feel like this is the first time they've spoken on the phone mm -hmm. in like the entire time they were in jail. Like, I really think this might have been their first arranged phone call the way that they greeted each other on the phone. Are you cold? A little. Oh, okay. Sorry. Let me close this door. Hold on. Brenda and Scott are talking on the phone. I feel like this is the first time they've spoken in a decade. And he's like, today is a good day for us. The DA has re is resigning uh, and his parents have finally been given custody of Brian, which yeah. is amazing. Brenda says that if... Uh, Brendan doesn't want to leave foster care. There must be a reason and he might 
not believe in his parents anymore. Maybe he's believing what everyone's... He's drank the Kool-Aid. New attorney reads a story. Oh, so, oh, I keep calling an attorney in my notes. I didn't realize he was a private detective. So, what's his name? Dean, Drew Dean, what's his name? Uh, L.A. Confidential. Denver Dunn. Denver Dunn. Yeah, Denver Dunn, the private detective, is reading to Sam's parents, who are, fuck or Scott's parents, who are fucking adorable. He's like, the prosecutor has been de- deemed overzealous. Exactly the right way. Whoever wrote, whatever fictional newspaper person wrote this, yes, overzealous is the exact right word. Um, and he's on a blind quest to convict. He's been disbarred for being unethical. Um, I think that's what happened. Um, because something happens to him, we'll find out in the notes later. That was I actually thought was pretty shady that they included it. Um, seems like everything's looking up for them. Brenda gets a letter in her cell. It says her appeal was denied, which was shocking and completely crushing. Like because everything was teed up. Like, yeah. this is the kind of thing you get an appeal for, is what's the situation. So Brenda breaks the fuck down. Very careful not to cause too much of a stir, too. She starts to let out, like, a wail of, of upset. And then she catches herself, throws herself on her knees, and starts praying to God. I don't understand. <sighs> Why? Why not me? You know I was a good mother. You know it. What have I ever done? How could you let this happen? I've prayed and I've believed and I might as well be dead. I am dead. And the guard is like listening to her pray. And she's like, that is a good prayer in the prayer of an innocent woman. And I should probably stop harassing her in the cafeteria and accusing her of wanting a different type of meat in her mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Like the guard is the guard went on a real journey with Brenda. So it's October 1992 now, a fucking decade later from that day in the park. Scott's dad is looking old as fuck. He looks very old. Scott's mom is not walking well. It's all too much. It's really too much. Thank you for sticking with us through all of this. There's this lawyer, Michael Snedeker. He's very active and vocal. Victims of child abuse legislation. He's one of the attorneys who won the appeal for the Pitts family. Brian comes out of the house. I think they've recast him again. They have. His voice has changed. Look, son, technically you're still under protective custody because you're underage. And I know I'm not supposed to be talking to you and all hell is going to break loose when I do, but I think it's time that we talked about your parents and what went on back there. I want to. And your brother, too. I understand he's with the Marines now. We don't talk much. Not in a while now. Jenkins is back to punt for Hart. Okay, here's the kick, and it's a good one. Deep downfield is Brian Niffin. He takes the ball at the 23. He cuts back across the grain and finds his blockers. He's down the sideline, and only the punter to beat. The 30, the 20, the 10, touchdown! Yes! Brendan has lived the whole rest of his childhood believing this story. I think he's in the military now. Yeah, he's wearing his military uh, dress 
like dress clothes. Can you explain this to me? So Scott's watching TV in prison, right? Mm-hmm. And there's football on TV. And the reveal here is that Brian is on TV and he's the one scoring in the in the game. Was Brian in the NFL or are they airing local high school football they games? They air local football games on TV. Oh. I it's was a like small enough ex- town that they show like all the high schools play football. I was like, why aren't they? I actually, I kind of like that vibe, but like, why aren't they like? I mean, I was so confused about why the NFL got dropped from this story. I was like, he's <laughs> yeah. an NFL player. Yeah, Can he we won get the a, Super Bowl that year. I don't know why they the didn't coach? focus on any of that. Character witness. So the doctor tells her that she's in denial. Um, unless she admits she has a problem, he will not permit a visit with the children because she wants a visit. Brenda wants a visit. And this is a really sick scene. He's like, if you can even admit to one small act of molestation, I'd see that as a positive step, and then I could recommend the visit. And then Brenda's like, if I say I molested my boys, you'll let me see them? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, till the end. Like, till the end. Like, this woman's already doing life, and you're still trying to fucking bully a confession out of her in what is supposed to be her safe space, a psychiatrist's office. And you're... So she goes... Because I was like, oh, don't do it, Bren. (laughs) Because, like, she also loves her children, right? So she goes, there is no force or pressure or bribe or prize that would ever make me say that I did that to my children. I would rather die here alone than ever have them think I did such a thing. And then she, and that speech was great. Like, cause I had that journey with you where I was like, Don't oh do my it. God, is she going to say she did it and sell out? And then she says that great line. You're like, oh, yay. And then they had her do a very accurate thing, which is stare him in the eyes, get up and walk out of the room. And I was like, yeah, you can't just walk out of that room if you're Oh, in that's prison. mad true. Oh, that's so true. I didn't even pick up on that. You're so right. Like, you cannot have a defiant moment when you're literally serving life in prison. <laughs> yeah, like, you can't be like, I'm done here. Yeah. Good Whoa, day, hey, sit sir. down, sit down. You're going to hurt me. You yeah. got to stay seated. Your, like, your ankles and your wrists should be cuffed. <laughs> um, so... Um, Brian finds that his grandma, he finds his, oh God, Brian finds his grandma dead at the kitchen table. Yeah. They recast Brian again. Hey grandma, you fell asleep. Grandma, no sleeping at the table. It's like literally that killed me. Like I died. So I think they recast, this was a scene where they accidentally switched up Brian's. Um, Scott mourns his mom in prison. It's really sad. Brenda prays for her. Brian says to the attorney that the whole thing killed him. Like he's just like, this thing killed my grandma. Yeah. He's like, will you keep working to help um, my parents? And then the um, private detective, what's his name? Dunn. Dustin Dunn? Denver Dunn. Denver Dunn. Denver Dunn goes, oh God, it's such a good line. He goes, until they turn off my lights, which is like a double metaphor because you know he was like bleeding financially to like deal with this thing full time. He meant literally until the power company turns off my lights and I can't read anymore. Yeah, but it's also like God, (laughs) like whatever. So then Brendan comes home from the military for the funeral and Brandon is hot now. And that's what I wrote in my notes. He and Brandon, he's like my biggest crush of all of these Lifetime movies we've done. yeah bigger than mark paul gossler like bigger than anyone like he's my number one crush bigger than eddie fisher and liz and dick who i love um (laughs) i never really had a crush on travis alexander i'm trying to think of other hunks from this season but like brennan is my number one crush from season one 
I just want to note that. This is a very hot actor. Um, so he apologizes to his brother. We got to reach out to him for like a follow-up interview. I know. Hey. I'm sorry, Brian. I know you were closer. Yeah. And I'm sorry I didn't make it to the funeral on time. How's Grandpa taking it? I tried to reach you last night. It's just so hard without Grandma. What? Last night in his sleep. I think he died of a broken heart. Stress all these years. I wish I could have protected you more. Been a better brother, somehow. We have to make this right. We have to get mom and dad out. Brian, you understand? If it didn't happen, if none of it ever happened, then how can I live with what I've done? Brenda writes to Scott and she tells him that she's been, um, she's accepted that she's going to spend her life in prison. She's totally accepted it. She's given up believing that she'll be saved and all she can hope for now is that her boys are having a good life. And she like completely collapses by a fence. The attorney has gone to bat for them getting them a new lawyer. He's brought boxes of evidence. So they hire this like savvy young couple that's like, we can't take you. And he's like, listen to this tape. And they're like, all right, fine, we'll make it work. Because this couple has previously gotten off another family that yeah. was accused of this sort of thing um, successfully. I know why you came to us, but it doesn't change our work. Before you make a decision, listen to this. I can't tell you where I got it or who gave it to me. All of the original interview tapes have been misplaced. I promised my source that they remain anonymous. A jury never got to hear the whole tape. You should. I want to go home. Now, don't get scared. Uh, don't get scared on me, Brian. We told you we wouldn't lie to you, Brian, and we won't. I miss my mommy. Well, uh, of course you do. So the wife has totally convinced her husband to represent these people. Brandon reluctantly admits that he's confused about what happened, but this is back at the funeral. And he's confused about what happened, but when he thinks, oh, no, wait, no. Shit. I forgot to say at the funeral, dude, huge reveal that broke my heart. The grandpa died. Yeah. And that's what happened with my grandparents. My Close six together. days, six days and six hours apart. And like, it's just, and that makes total sense in funeral timing. They probably buried the grandfather, like, I mean. Carrie Fisher and uh, Debbie Reynolds. Heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Heartbreaking. So, um, Brenda meets with her new attorney. Um, it's the woman from the couple. Scott meets with the husband. And he tells them that they're going for um, habeas corpus because they have new research data on suggested questioning, brainwashing, and declarations from both of their sons saying that they were never molested. This is news because only Brian had given the declaration before. So Scott is so broken that he's like, we'll never get a fair, a fair hearing in Kern County. And the lawyer's like, it's a different time now, Scott. Would you, I think I would give up hope. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'd be like, cool. If it happens, great. If not, I mean, it's like trying to sell a show. No, it's like I just assume it's never going to happen. It's and a then I get a call. Fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, cool. If it works out, great. Otherwise, nah, I'm good here. Oh. I'm hanging out with the guy who shot Bobby Kennedy. We have a good little game going. We play cards. I might get my radio soon. I got a radio. I'm going to listen to Uptown Funk <laughs> with my friend. Uh, aggressive, Manson. aggressive black woman and the mentally challenged lady. <laughs> so, the boys are in court, and Brenda is brought in, and she and Scott are reunited for the first time. They're making out in court. It's very cute. I like that they have stayed hot for each other all these years. And he's like, "You're so pretty." Like as soon as he sees her, yeah, it's Virginia Madsen, man. So in court, they're having a hard time proving that any of the points that they're bringing up are new. And that's like the whole point of this case is that there has to be new evidence. And the judge is being a real dick about it. Um, And the brothers are like eating lunch in the hallway, whatever. Um, Then Brenda finally gets to see Brandon in court. And she just like, you can tell that like this is the moment that she's been waiting for. She doesn't care about being, she just wants to see her kid again. She wants to see what her kid turned out to be. And she goes, look at him. He's wonderful. Like, and I'm like, I would bone him. Um, but, he know, like, it's <laughs> well, really, that's what she was thinking it's too. really, I know. I mean, it's dark, too, because he's so hot that I'm like, no, don't say anything about his appearance. Don't say, look at him. Just be like, he seems really smart. Oh, look at him. He's perfect. He seems like he look has a great personality. Oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, if, like, should she be guilty, like, she's not, like, he's not her type anymore. So, yeah. um, they sm- <laughs> submit the brainwashing evidence and Brandon's like I was terrified they totally did this blah 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 lawyer points out that it was never noted that the boys initially denied that they were abused um, I just wrote Brandon so hot I just wrote <laughs> again in my that's notes that's all my notes say too <laughs> these parents are such fucking good people they don't care about anything um, except they get to see their kid from across the room. You can tell they don't have hope of winning the appeal. They're just happy to be there. Yeah. Which I was wondering, like, if I was a director and I had to direct this scene, I would say, like, what would it? What would be the thing that I would say to them? Like, because that's a very unrelatable scenario. Like, you have no hope that anything that you could do to better your life is going to happen. But this one glimmer of just seeing that your boy is okay is everything, and you may go, and you know you're probably going back for life. Well, like, how would you direct someone through that scene? I guess my note would be you won, because you got to see your kids. So you found something that let you see them again before you went to die in a hole. But they were still dead inside. Like you won, but you're dead. Like it was a yeah. very interesting combo. Well, All it was never lost. about them though. So like yeah. they gave up on. So you could argue that they died years ago. Yeah. And they're just like just routine at that point. And then seeing their kids is like, whoa, it's like a reprieve from that. So I could see that as like a positive. I absolutely do not think I can handle the documentary version of this because I like am so obsessed with this. Family. I think you'll be okay because it's very like f- it's just them saying facts. I mean, I know the story, yeah. right? And so, you know what happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the lawyer totally crushes his final statement. Two little boys were ripped from their loving home, isolated, frightened, bounced from foster home to foster home, while being used to convict and imprison their parents. Two little boys, all the while believing that when this was over, they would be reunited with their parents and go home. Were these kids abused? Yes, Your Honor. They sure were.
like, well, what do you know, Niffin? You were right. You're going home. The security guard comes and lets her loose. August 12th, 1996, Lerdo Detention Center. Is that Lerdo? Lerdo. Lerdo. Brenda and Scott are walking out of jail together, which is weird because they were not in the same jail. As soon as they see the light of day, they did a cool effect that made you really feel like what it would be like to see daylight after like 12 years or whatever. Boys are there waiting. My eyes start to well up. This is where I got emotional. And Brenda's mom is there. Everyone's like, everyone left standing in this fucking tragedy is there. Like the two lawyers, the detective, whatever relatives or people are alive are there. It's, and they have no one left. They have this whole community and they have like five people now. Yeah, that's it. What did you think about the reunion scene? Um, I, I think like a ton of press would be there. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a big deal. Like so, Paris Hilton walking out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had a bigger press, they had more press there when they got arrested. It's like definitely like if you were let off for a wrongful conviction after all those years, I think there'd be a lot more news there. But that's the sad thing is that I don't think that the Innocence Project gets enough press for that reason. No one wants to see a man go free. Maybe not then. Yeah. But now. Uh, the crawl is absolutely insane. Do you want to talk about that? The end crawl? Like the oh, text crawl? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is this is absolutely nuts. Do you do you have it written? Do you want me to read it? You can you go want, ahead and no, read it. No, you read it. Uh, well, I took two screenshots. One is as a result of the case, molestation cases of the 80s, the Kern County District Attorney's Office changed their guidelines for questioning children. So now that's not how they're going to ask kids. Because it, it was so leading. Oh, like, no, did you kiss totally. Pri- well, what do you mean? Did you, you know, like, let's say this happened. Um, but the, the wildest one to me is right after that goes, Prosecutor Andrew mm-hmm. Gines spent some time working as a cashier for minimum wage. He is again practicing law defending juveniles. Literally so fucking shady <laughs> that they had to say for minimum for wage. For minimum wage. Like, Not just his job. No, that is like, no, like, dude, filmmakers, like, you've been up on this this entire time. You have not been petty. You have not thrown any stones. <laughs> this fucking man is working minimum wage from his big-ass DA salary. You don't need... Like, we get it. He's a cashier. We can assume he's making not a lot of money. You could have said just said cashier. You need to say for minimum wage. For minimum wage. so rude. (laughs) It's like the most research they did for this was to see how much he got paid. So is it McQueen? Uh, The McEwens. McEwens. Okay. I knew I was going to mispronounce his last name the entire time, so I'm glad you knew. Okay. They were released... They divorced. Uh, their girls were raised by Mary and Barber. I tried to look them up, and all I could find for from Bakersfield, California, um, the McCain sisters who started a perfume line. That's all I could find. I couldn't find okay. anything about these girls as an update. Do you know anything? Uh, different last names, right? Probably. Be, maybe. Maybe these were changed. I knew a McEwen. I grew up, my, one of my buddies growing up, his last name was McEwen. So when I watched this, I was like, oh shoot, was that going on with his family while I was hanging out with him? And I had no idea. I mean, that's a very odd surname. Yeah. Like that's up there with McAleer. Like no one has that last name. Although someone <laughs> at my vet has McAleer. Isn't that oh, okay. weird? <laughs> yeah. This is my grandfather's all the places. name, John McAleer. Uh, but I did like it started feeling very conspiracy theory to me because I then emailed my mom after I watched this. I was like, can you give me all the details about the molestation cases in Bakersfield and like uh, this other scandal that happened there? And my mom's very curt answer, and she's not a curt person, was remember it happened, but nothing else. That's all her email said. 
and she loves to talk. So I was like, Mom, why are you so quiet all of a sudden? You know what's weird? That's interesting. When I read Helter Skelter, I went home and I was like, Mom, this book Helter Skelter is so good. And she was like, I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, why? She's like, no, no, no. And she got like really upset. And I was like, Mom, like, you were a child in Massachusetts when this happened. Why are you upset? Yeah, so Why are you taking removed. this personally? She's like, I saw Life magazine when I was six years old of all the stabbings in the house. And she's like, I'll never forget that shit to this day. And she's like, it's not funny. She's like, it's not entertainment. It's not. And I was like, I never, never said it was funny, Mom. I'm just I'm like, this is a really dope book I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a great book for like police incompetence like it's so mind-blowing to see how much they bungled that and for your mom i can only imagine that in the middle of growing up in this town where she's raising young kids that's probably like your biggest fear of Mm -hmm. anyone's biggest fear and especially like not in a even in a town where no one has been arrested for being molested let alone 30 people randomly that year yeah um that's probably why she's all clammed up. Yeah. And it's weird she doesn't want to talk about because we are Satanists. <laughs> I love Satan. You love Satan. I love him. I love Satan. So, yeah. So, uh, Denver Dunn still works as a private investigator. <laughs> yeah. I want to... Denver Dunn. This is really... This is the true perversion. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. Brian married the granddaughter of one of the defense attorneys. They have one child. Yeah. Not natural. Like, I'm going to say you love who you love, but, like, I don't think Brian was exposed to a lot of people, and the odds that he married one of his parents' defense attorneys' children is really gross and strange. Like, it's almost bachelor strange to me. Yeah. Like, your wife is not in this group of 30 women. Like, go take a vacation by yourself. Well, that's the craziest thing is, like, after this happened, you'll see when you watch the documentary, which listeners I recommend, Witch Hunt, you can find on YouTube in its entirety, is most of the people, like, because 36 people, 38 were charged, 36 were released because two died in prison. Oof. Two died in prison for being falsely accused Oof. of this. But a lot of them still live in Bakersfield. Hard to hear. They never moved. They got released and lived there and continue to. I would never set, like, I just moved to L.A. to get out of there, and I didn't get accused of that. I wanted to leave. Imagine being accused and staying there. No. No, I mean, I guess, like, maybe you're a town hero, but, like, everything's a bad memory. Yeah. It's like anything I see, I'll be like, oh, remember when they threw my food at me in that restaurant because they thought I sucked my kid's dick? (laughs) It's like, I don't want to drive by that every day to my job making minimum wages cashier. Um, A continuation of this incredibly lengthy title card. Brian married... uh, Okay, so Brandon is married with two children. Scott and Brenda sued Kern County for civil rights violations. Their case was settled out of court. They have made a new life life for themselves away from Bakersfield. Many victims of this national, quote, witch hunt of the 1980s are still in prison. This film is dedicated to the memory of Dick and Marilyn Niffin and Sandra Powell. And then executive produced by Sally Newman. Like, if she's like Dick Wolf. Like, I'm like, who the fuck are you, <laughs> Sally Newman, coming out of nowhere? Like, is Sally Newman someone? Producer. For, I, I mean, I don't she just must have a shit ton of cash. Like, that's like Sonia up. Morgan shit, like, produced by Sonia Morgan. Like, you just want to be a movie producer. Like, if your name pops up like that at the end, you want everyone to know. The Niffins, like, from the lawsuit, I believe they made 
when they sued the county I, and won for wrongful conviction, they made the least money out of everyone. They got like low six figures. One of the guys got five million. Are you fucking kidding me? No. And I would imagine it's because they were too nice to press it. No, I know. They were like, oh, we'll settle in the low six. Yeah. We can do something with that. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like their legal bills are, they're drowning in them. Yeah. One guy is like over $5 million victory. So Stephen Lennan at the Los Angeles Times, I want to tell you right now, um, you can go fuck yourself. This is a review from September 10th. Very close to September 11th to be kind of posting this negativity on the internet. I just want to say as well, 2001. Well, it was right before September. Oh, shit. before. This happened the day before September 11th? Oh, my God. And you wrote this? There's, you know what? Is the last line of this article, this is the worst thing to ever happen in my lifetime? <laughs> Yo. Why was this written the day before September 11th? That is too fucking real. Headline. Heavy subject, failed execution. Oh, no. Yeah, you want to know about some heavy subjects and some failed execution? Yeah. September 11th. God, this 2001, Steve Lanan. Steve went to bed pleased with himself and this woke was up. a great movie. Oh so God. child molestation is the unsettling topic of Just Ask My Children, an earnest yet heavy-handed lifetime movie based on the true story of Bakersfield parents who were wrongly accused of the 1982 mistreating of their sons. Mistreating of their sons. <laughs> yeah, like they left them in the car for too long. Yeah, have, like what... Uh, the opposite of heavy-handed would be mistreating of their sons. You're very light-handed, Stephen. Little do you know, you're living in a pre-9-11 world. You can throw stones like this. Yeah. The broadly played villain here is overzealous. Way to steal from the film. One-dimensional. Uh, district attorney is Sam Bennis. Robert Joy, who coordinates the arrest of Brenda, Virginia Madsen, her husband, Jeff, uh, Scott, whatever, blah, blah, blah. To gather evidence, Bennis separates confused, frightened boys. Skipping, skipping. Though it's easy to sympathize with the plight of Brenda and Scott, the manipulative script by Deborah Sarah never grips our emotion. Stronger performances would have helped, but Madsen and her colleagues cannot rise to the occasion under the perfunctory direction of Arvin Brown. Harsh. Yeah, Just Ask My Children can be seen tonight at nine on Lifetime. So a lot of people watched this movie, went to bed, woke, woke up, up, and it was September fucking 11th. <laughs> I didn't even put that together until I was like, hey, go fuck yourself. By the way, well, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on, listen. That means not making light of the tragedy. People went to bed, woke up, rolled over, like shook their spouse. They're like, that movie last night was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Let's make some coffee and get up, turn on the news. It's like, wait, what? What a wild ride. And, like, here's the thing. I lived East Coast 9-11, so I was in high school when it happened. Like, I was at school, and oh I God. always think about what that would have been like to be on the West Coast and wake up. My biggest fear is our time difference. Yeah. Like, I worry about the time difference a lot. I hate that Tokyo knows more than me. Like, I don't... <laughs> they know more they about... They knew 9-11 the, happened before you know did. World, they know more about the world than I do, so... I, you know where I was? Where? I was asleep in Bakersfield, California, and my mom woke me up and told me what happened. Mm. So I was in the city where the I found out the same time as the Nivens. The wow, Nivens. that is nuts. That is nuts. I Can cannot believe that this movie premiered 
the day before 9-11. I can't either. And like I, I we normally we go through the whole message boards for this, but this is too this is too emotional to go through message boards. I think yeah. this is a great movie. Fucking probably my favorite. Do you want to do the scale? I feel very favorably about this. So we have a scale that we do. What's your favorite movie of all time? Me? Yeah. Oof, that's hard. Uh most people probably say that. I, I really like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, so five is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, oh, wait, no. One is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And five is Mother May I Sleep With Danger. Okay. So, like, basically, you're going, we're trying to rate the most lifetime movie. Where's my pages at? Because I didn't buy a word. All right. We've got some categories. Acting your- overall. Good, bad, and the ugly versus this movie. Overall acting. <laughs> Such an insane question. Um, okay, I'll put it at like a three. <laughs> okay, that's very generous. Yeah. I was going to say like a four. But Virginia Madsen really carries this. I'll give you a three. Okay. Underreactions yeah, Virginia is Madsen's a f- great. flat five for me. Okay. I'm not going to accept anything less than a five. Scott blew this for me. The dad was acting like, again, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar while on trial for molesting his sons. Uh, overreactions. Can you and listeners do me a favor? Watch the witch hunt documentary and then tell me if you think he played it close to how that guy really is. How, cause I how think is that he? guy is that like, there's nothing known behind the wheel that it's accurate. Yeah. Well, like dad, like he's a dad, like that sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, this guy, like it looks like he has no affect whatsoever. Like his, he's not emotional in any way. He just stares dead eyed into the camera and, God, he's still alive. He's going to come after me. Well, no, he'd be he's polite. not. I mean, look, he has all the reason to be like that. I mean, yeah. he probably wasn't like that before September 11th and the prolonged jailing of himself next to Charles Manson. Oh, my God. I just thought of this. So if that movie debuted September 10th, that means the Niffins watched that. Yeah. Relived those 10 years. Yeah. Went to bed, woke up, and that happened. Yeah, the Niffins can't catch a break. And the low six figs outside of Bakersfield, that's fucking brutal. To be fair, that buys a mansion there. Do you think that they got like a fee for this? Because they can profit off the crime now because they didn't do it. Yeah, for their... Oh, is that the rule? Yeah, you can't profit off a crime. That's why Jodi Arias has to sell her art on Etsy or whatever. <laughs> I thought OJ, like, <laughs> sold a book or something. Um, He sold a book, but it wasn't about oh, the crime. Oh, he was crime. innocent. Oh, fucking... That's right. <laughs> He's You're innocent. right. Oh, yeah, no. He is not a murderer. Like, oh, but that guilty motherfucker wrote... Oh, no, shit. No, nope. he, that, that's nope. a big problem with that yeah. case, actually. He's just guilty of stealing art. Found innocent. So then overreactions. Um, not a ton in this movie. No. If anything, underreact. I would say maybe, I'll, I think, like, oh, let's give it a one. Okay. Dialogue. <clears throat> Good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I don't know. Like, I love Virginia Madsen's speech. It was great. Her, like against the um, psychiatrist and her speech against the angry woman. But then that's brought down by lines like, my stepmother's really obsessed with child molestation is wild. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, the thing. I figured, singing telegram line. Singing telegram is a great example. I think that this, I figured out the thing. You gotta, if, you gotta, if you're gonna write a Lifetime movie, you have to be able to write the impassioned victim speech, right? 
but like it's how you fill in everything else around it that matters. Yeah. And that's usually where they fail. Yeah, because they should feel as real as possible. Yeah. Like to highlight these dramatic moments. I'm going to give it a four, dude. Do you okay. feel like a, that's a four to me? Let's give it a four. Wardrobe overall. Um, oh, shit. Good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> this movie. I felt it was very on the nose, like with real life. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought the wardrobe was good. There wasn't a lot that caught my eye. And they're in prison jumpsuits for like 90% of it. Usually it's like a silk top that catches my eye. Debbie was a bit garish when she came up to her in the park in the first scene in her hot pink top. Um, oh, uh, his parents kill it. They look yeah, great. They, they look, look great. like great uh, 80s old people. I'll give it a two. Okay. It's not the finest costuming I've ever mm. seen. But it Wig- got the job done. So we have two subcategories here, wigs and weaves, and then makeup. So Virginia goes through a hair journey as well as um, uh, Denver Dunn. Never will remember his name. They wash out his hair dye. Um, wigs and... The, the, okay, so the hair was pretty glaring to me. I found it to be a distraction. I think it's a three. Okay. But it's not... Well, I mean... There's a lot of male hair dye in this. I didn't even notice. That's why I feel bad. I noticed the kids switching, but I didn't pay attention to the hair. The, so I guess that's a like a I'm plus just gonna for press them. four on this because you know what? We're get, we gotta make up for these kids changing, and I don't yeah. know what other category we're gonna make up for it in. There we go. Makeup is the is the other sub subcategory. Makeup wasn't bad on this. It was yeah, actually quite It tasteful. wasn't distracting or detracting. The only thing that was was the kids. Let's give that a one. Yeah crying now i think that this had the crying scene that i wanted the entire time her having a panic attack in the boy's bedroom Mm -hmm. this is why i made the crying category because you want that big crying scene this for me was a pinnacle for this season and for this series so far it's a five like that was great and the fact that the catalyst for it is her chopping up (laughs) dinner and hearing the ghost voices of her boys yeah was she great. just missed them so much. And we heard it too. So yeah. it wasn't just her. We Mom? heard those voices. Yeah, like, it was oh, dark. Shit, the kid got out. Victimization of the female character. <laughs> I mean, that's a fucking five. <laughs> yeah. Like, could it be worse? They, they stripped a woman of her children, threw her in jail, and, and then had her get beat up. When your mom, when they put you on the hook, did she put her mouth on your privates? Yes. Like, I mean, thinking he's going to go home. Like, this is the worst. That is that is victimization at its finest. Yeah. That's a five. And then font. I was distracted by everything else. Font was pretty standard for me, but it was very standard Lifetime. <laughs> the font for the title? Yeah, font. Okay. Because, like, Lifetime always uses, like, um, just, like, they have it no, in the editing ooh. bay. It had shitty... Because it starts with based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a lower third. It says Bakersfield, California, 1980. Mm-hmm. And that to me made me laugh. So okay. like in the first five seconds, I laughed at something. I love that you get the font category. Okay. Yeah. So do you. Oh, want that's to, big for me. Where do you want it? Do you want to do like three, five? Three point five? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Um, I don't do math. So Stephen does our totals for us. Stephen, where are we at? Um, we are at a 35.5. 
And I actually have the uh, website up with all the other ratings. You did. So this is a. I always struggle with this. This is a thirty-three point five, which it's tied with uh, "She's Too Young," Um, but it's not the top one. Our most lifetimey was "Listen, Dick." Okay. Uh, No, Adam, you're not competing. This is this was really good. I want to tell you something. This is the best movie that anyone has brought to me. All right. This is the best movie that anyone (laughs) has suggested to me. This is, I actually, this is a quality film. And then you add on the fact that this is a pre-September 11th by mere hours film. Hours. That is a very good film. This is very good. I'm ashamed to say it didn't win this season. You know, John and I were probably drunk, trigger happy. John Levenstein and I, when we did Liz and Dick, throwing down numbers, not thinking, we haven't even seen some shit yet. This is just a pilled out Lohan. This was the best. This was a really good one for me. This was a really satisfying one. And thank you for bringing this to us. Of course. I feel feel weird cheering that I brought you a great movie about pedophilia, but hey, I'm happy. I'm glad you liked it. Here's the thing. It is an important story. Mm -hmm. It shed a light on a huge issue. So many laws were changed and made because of this. And most of all, some fucking innocent people were accused of sucking their child's dick and then 12 years later got out of jail. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Except for the fact that they watched that movie and then it was September. (laughs) I can't believe that. That's so wild. Wow. I mean, how did I not pick up on that all day? I don't know. But watching that reveal happen in real time is one of the greatest moments of my life. Watching you slowly read across the date of that article (laughs) till you got to the date. And I was like, 2001, wait a minute. Yeah, because I was like on it. I was like, oh, it's pre, like you're being a dick, like day before September 11th. I thought he was, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. I bet he felt so stupid for writing that article the next day. I was a senior in college. In college? Yeah, when this this movie came out. Or a senior in, oh no, in high school. Senior in high school. Yeah, he probably felt very embarrassed. (laughs) It was like everyone who wrote like, can't wait for Hillary to be our first female president. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How dumb do you feel now, you cucks? (laughs) Look out, there's a blizzard outside, you dumb snowflakes. Okay, well, this is like the best way to end this season. You guys, we are coming back next season. I do want to let you know that there's going to be a Patreon page. If you go over to Facebook, let's collect them dollars during the break. Stephen Ray Morris will be joining me again. You're really coming back. I'm so oh, afraid. Oh, yeah, I'm back for season two, baby. I'm so afraid you're going to leave it. me. No, I'm we're so, doing you're it. like way too big time for me. Like, I'm devastated. I would be devastated. You just Aww. like to hang out with me, right? You're doing this for the Fucking hangs. I love it. Okay, cool. Um, but, like, yeah. All right, so we're coming back. <laughs> we have a Facebook page. I also have other podcasts. My name is Molly Magler. Adam McCabe, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Adam S. McCabe, M C C A B E. And where can people find you in Los Angeles in the upcoming weeks? Um, you can catch me every Friday night at 8 o'clock at the Upright Citizens Brigade on Franklin with a team called Bangarang, Friday nights at 8 o'clock. Do you guys run a clean show? No. Oh, I was asked, like, do you know a clean comedy show? And I was like, literally, no. No. I mean, we could do it. We have, we've had, like, kids do our show before where okay. we didn't say anything. I think we still said fuck in that show, though. Oh, okay. With a child on stage. So yeah. that was great. And when my friend asked me that, I was like, why would you tag me in this Facebook post? Like, do you think it's possible that I know someone that runs a clean comedy set? Like... 
I don't. All Go my material Bill Cosby, is circa the time that these people got arrested. Maybe you'll get some jokes out of him. Speaking the- of situations. <laughs> Go the- ahead. The only stand-up comedian I know is someone who makes fun of child molesters in prison. Really? But she's free. No. Oh. <laughs> the girl from the show. <laughs> I'm so naive. <laughs> um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next week, Stephen. Oh, also Stephen. Guys, Stephen Ray Morris of the Percast, Saving Grace, edits three hours of people talking about Lifetime every week and puts the clips in. The real Straight hero. man. Does not get probably too much joy from this except for his love of Jody Arias. Oh, always for Jody. Podcast first responder. Stephen's on with Jody. Bye. Bye. For listening to Mother May I Sleep with Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about the show, so reach out to us on Twitter at MMISWP. And while you're here, why not smash that subscribe button and make us a part of your weekly routine? If you want to go the extra mile, leave us a review. It helps our ranking in the iTunes store and lets other people find the show and share the lifetime love. Today's show was produced by Stephen Ray Morris with support from Christina Lopez. Molly Mae McMahon from Six Peaks made our logo. Additional thanks to our associate producer, Nicole Matthew. I'm your host, Molly MacLear, and you can find me across social media as Malls or on Snapchat, Malls Official. Until next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.